Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I am loving this. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny! Hey, Marvel fanboys. You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin. Yeah. And we are Marvel fanboys. Oh, we are. We're Marvel dick riders. Oh, my God. Give me all the Marvel dick you have. (laughs) Incredible Hulk. More like Incredible Bulk. Yeah. I guess. (laughs) Incredible Bulge. Is that better? <laughs> Thor, <laughs> the incredible bulge. Oh my god, my ass is going to be Thor after what Marvel does to me. <laughs> my ass is Thor. <laughs> oh, my ass is so Thor. We're <laughs> being pounded by the by the Marvel universe. Damn. Damn. Oh, pound me in my thanus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a t-shirt. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Pound me in my thanus. You know, remember when everybody was talking about like Ant-Man should shrink down and crawl up Thanos's ass and yeah. then expand? Mm-hmm. So it'd be a picture of Ant-Man <laughs> crawling into Thanos's ass and it says, um, pound me in my thanus. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then just the back yeah. says two, two dudes movie reviews. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I love that. All right, so episode's over. We got what we came for. We got a we got a gold mine now. Yeah, that was good. We're just printing money at this point. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Come on, we yeah, use great right. ideas. They don't make us any money. What the hell, no, not entirely. Never, true. not a dime. <laughs> it's been a it's been a minute since we recorded though, dude. Have you have you been? How was your holiday? Holiday was good, fairly low-key. Um, speaking of Marvel, it's been fairly low-key. Uh, we do it this the whole episode. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, the holidays have been, you know, I guess uh, medium crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as bad as, as it normally is. Christmas Eve, I bounced around between my parents' house and then Christmas Day went over to Meg's folks and then we actually went to see this movie. It was my second time seeing Spider-Man. We went on Christmas. So it was my uh, Christmas tradition uh, experience at the theaters. Nice. But also for the last two weeks, I've been kind of like getting over having and getting over a cold. So I might still, I'm still a little bit nasally and not so much sniffly, but definitely congested. Mm. So another reason why, uh, one of the thousands of reasons why we haven't been able to record lately. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's ma- mainly my fault. Just uh, well, one the last episode to come out, which also was a Marvel movie, 
feel like we've been doing Marvel yeah. movies like every like every other episode. But we recorded that, and that was my episode to edit. And then just work has just been like compl- like so brutal lately. Just absurd amount of work, and uh, yeah, like I was editing that episode, and pretty much for three weeks straight during the holiday, even when I like was told my jobs, I'm like, I'm gonna be on vacation. They're like, no, never. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was never. just like I'm sure I'm sure you've experienced it where it's like you just work an absurdly long day and then like you want to edit the podcast because you like doing it, but it's just like, like I was working like 8 a.m. to 2 a.m. some days and then it's like I would get done at work at 2 a.m. and I'm just like, I can't, it's 2 a.m. I can't edit the podcast. <laughs> I have to get like right. five hours of sleep. So yeah, someone actually, a swampy reached out and was just like, I hope you guys are okay and we're fine. It's just been busy, but man, there's some movies that, I am so excited to like see and talk about and stuff. So we're not going anywhere. We're back. Yeah. Maybe we're better than ever. Probably not. But No, definitely not. <laughs> but it is a new year. It is a yeah. new year. New Year's resolution should be to... Uh, new Year's resolution is to be even less consistent. <laughs> I was going to say be more consistent. We got to... Uh, no, no. I want to set a low bar. That way it's achievable. <laughs> but... Now, 2020, we called the double deuce, but really, if you think about it, this year has more twos than any other year before, mm, except for yeah. 12-22. That had an equal amount of twos. Yeah. Can we can we live till 22-22? I can. I don't know about you. <laughs> You're out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> Take some vitamin I'm D. I'm out of shape. <laughs> I'm out of shape. It's been, you know, I've been working at the deli, and- you know, my summer, my my work for half the year is very physical and it's outdoors and I'm sweating a lot and I'm on mm-hmm. the move. So, like, I get really fit, get, yeah. get a little bit of tone. And then the winter comes and I'm just like, oh, I must be a bear. Like, time to just eat fucking candy. That's another thing about the holidays. So much candy circles around the holidays. It's like people mm-hmm. eat chocolates, they're baking pies, cookies. It's so gluttonous. <laughs> um, and I'm sure it's not like that everywhere, but for sure in America, it is just eat as much sugar as possible. And no, then, it was uh, it was like that at my house for sure. And then I work at a deli, so then I go to work and I'm just like, oh, let me have some chicken and this and that. And yeah, not not great. People people come in and you're just gnawing on one of those giant boar's head like <laughs> meat slabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. In the glass case, the holidays for me were like. I'd actually told my mom before I like it came back because our plan was to record in person. It just, it, that also just didn't work out, but we were, uh, yeah. when I was back, I told my mom, I was like, I am so excited to like have my mom always makes like holiday cookies. I was like, can't wait to have yeah. a few. I ate like an absurd amount of cookies and then I baked a carrot cake and just ate almost all of it. <laughs> so it was intense. Dude, it's a problem. My, my mom makes a ton of cookies. She, she made something around like 17 or maybe 1300 cookies for like divvying up across the family. She gave me three freezer bags full of cookies. Oh, they were gone before new year's. <laughs> Dang. Nice. <laughs> I could not help myself. I mean, I did, I gave some to, to bring to Meg for her parents. I brought some to work and stuff. So it wasn't just all me, but it was a lot of me. <laughs> did Logan have any? No. Yeah, yeah, he he had. <laughs> no, they he weren't for him. <laughs> they weren't. It wasn't about him. He's a kid. He shouldn't be eating all that sugar. I don't care if I die. I hear you. But yeah, we've been very busy. 
we've been doing a lot of stuff. That's why we're so delayed. But uh, and it's funny too because our last episode was Eternals, and we were talking about like, yeah, Spider Man's coming out in two weeks. But then the episode for Eternals dropped after the movie after Spider Man had came out. Yeah, yeah. You know, it. I edited that episode in like three sittings. Really, I edited like because I think it's like an hour and a half long. I edited the first like half hour of it at home, and then yeah. the next two times that I got free time to even do it were on both flights. Like, so I edited another half hour flying to New York, and then I edited the last half hour flying back, which means that I'm in the Mile High Club, because right. we all know that oh, yeah. <laughs> to be to be in the Mile High Club, you have to edit a podcast. But uh, yeah, so I had, uh, yeah. I edited maybe the first hour. I had like edited through the trailer park. So I already knew what we had said about Spider-Man. And then I saw Spider-Man in New York. And then when I was flying yeah. back, I was like, should I finish the episode or should I go back and <laughs> edit the trailer park segment because we called so much of it that I'm like I feel like we might be spoiling the movie <laughs> somehow and then I was just like I I'm, know, just gonna, dude. I'm just gonna leave it just leave it raw because it just shows how fucking genius I am we're gonna talk about how fucking genius I am when <laughs> we get to the uh the spoilers especially because you had to have been sitting in the theater and thinking about me you had to have, because I know I I seen I I literally called out scenes that I was like, I bet you they would do this or they should do this. And then when they do those things, I lost my mind. I'm like, somebody at Marvel needs to hire me. Cause clearly yeah. I I know what they are doing. I know what their plans are. Cause I could I could read it like a book. And I wasn't just spitting some shit that like I saw on some fucking YouTube video where somebody's like, you should do this. I'm I'm just going off from my heart as a fan, as a fan of the comic books, as a fan of the movies, and I fucking nailed it repeatedly. Nailed it. Yeah. There's there's one I mean, we were right about like I was right about a few things, you were right about a few things, but like and then we also brought rumors to the table and like there was a lot of stuff that came true. We'll get to all of it, but uh yeah, there was one thing in particular when it happened. I I was so happy because on that episode, you had mentioned it. And I said, I was like, I love that idea. I was like, now I'm going to be upset if they don't do it. And they did it. And I was like, I was I was genuinely like super happy. And I was just like, Scott, you, you fucking did it, man. <laughs> you did I this. Did I made it happen. <laughs> yeah. I made it happen. So yeah. with all of that being said... This show is going to be structured a little bit differently. This episode, I should say, it's going to be mm -hmm. structured a little bit differently than we do normally. Because we have a really exciting trailer park. Yeah. Whoops, I hit the fart button again. But we're not doing the trailer park first. We're going to do the trailer park after we do the review for Spider-Man No Way Home. And there's a yeah. very important reason for that. And people probably already know, because by the time this episode comes out, it's been like a month removed from the release of the movie. Less than a month, but still. Yeah. It's been a minute. It's been out long enough. Spoilers, you know, the spoiler ban has been lifted by Marvel. And the uh, the post-credit for this movie, well, the post-post-credit, not the mid-credit scene, but the actual post-credit, has been released online officially by Marvel Entertainment. So... Doors are open, but we're yeah. going to talk about the the next MCU movie, mm -hmm. which 
I guess we could just say is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. So that's going to be the so, trailer park at the end of the episode. We got to talk spoilers before we can even get to the trailer. Yeah. There are Mondo implications here, so we can't really talk about that trailer without uh, talking about this movie first. It's actually funny, like, when the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer came out, uh, Brianna hadn't watched Far From Home yet, and the No Way Home trailer came out, and she's like, I want to watch it, and I was like, no, you haven't seen Far From Home, and she's like, it would it be that big of a deal? And I, in my head, I'm just like, it starts up with scenes from, like, the last movie of them be basically, like, everyone knows who you are. Everyone also thinks that you're a scumbag. Um, right. So I was like, I was like, yeah, no, you, you have to watch the movie. So I literally I saw, made it. I saw a, um, I saw a video. It might've been like a TikTok or, or like an Instagram reel or something, but somebody was like, okay, like they're doing a bit. Cause you know how all the time people are doing like these, like, these are all the movies that you need to see leading up to this movie. So they're just like, all right, first off, watch the, the original three Spider-Man, uh, the, you know, three movie trilogy, but from Sam Raimi, then watch the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Then you need to watch uh, Homecoming and Far From Home. Now you just need to watch <laughs> the entirety of the MCU, all 22 or 23 films of that. <laughs> then, you, then you need to go back and watch 16 episodes of Phineas and Ferb. And then you need to go, <laughs> it's just doing all this wild <laughs> shit all over the place. And then, uh, and then it's like, then you can watch No Way Home and understand everything. Yeah. <laughs> but it really does feel like that. Like anybody who's like, oh, I'm just going to jump in on this one. You're an idiot. Stop. Yeah, you you, you kind of can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, like I think uh, there's plenty of people out there that aren't on like the Marvel bandwagon or like they're they're thinking about getting on it. I I mentioned to one of my friends actually when Endgame came out, I was I was so stoked about it, and then <laughs> and then one of my friends like was like, you can just tell me like the movie, like I don't like these movies, so I don't really care. So like I spoiled the entire Endgame plot, like like beat for beat, and then during quarantine they were like, you know what? I'll finally get on like the Marvel train. They like binge the movies, but I'm just like, you're binging all these movies, but you know, the outcome, <laughs> like, you know, the finale of everything. Cause I literally spoiled the entire thing. Um, but yeah, like, I feel like it's so worth it to be on the bandwagon, not because the movies are like, I mean, not only are the movies great now, but when they come around to like big events like this, the payoffs are so huge. Like if you've watched everything, it's, some of the moments are just so fucking good. Yeah, I mean that's all that's kind of always the thing with these. It's like are they fun and exciting anyways? Yeah, sure. But are you going to get everything out of it that you could? Obviously not because they do such a good job of tying so many things together and and making it worth your while if you've been along for the whole ride. It mm-hmm. they really make sure that they're making it worth your time to do that, you know? Yeah. But yeah, let's let's get into it, dude. We gotta. Yeah, we gotta. Mm-hmm. I would say we've actually spent a couple of phone calls lightly talking about this movie, but actually we've spent a few phone calls screaming about this movie <laughs> for a long time. Like we were uh, we were at the dog park yesterday, and uh, you called me, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's calling me." I like, I'll be right back. We talked about Spider Man for a half hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, let's let's just get into it. Uh, director on this movie, John Watts. He's been the director on all these Spider-Man movies. He is also the director for, I think it's confirmed now. Marvel hasn't done like an actual reveal yet, but it's, it's known that he's directing a fantastic four movie. Uh, Chris Mm -hmm. McKenna, Eric Summers. They're both, uh, writers on this movie. 
they are writers on the whole trilogy. Also, uh, movies like Jumanji, like the, the reboot Jumanji and stuff. So basically everyone, writer, directors, they're all coming back. Uh, the cast, I don't know what to, what to do with this. Should I just go through the whole cast or should I just save stuff? I feel like I have to, right? Go I mean, through the cast or save stuff? Save stuff. Yeah, I, save uh, stuff. I mean, we okay. know, we know the basics. We know Tom Holland. We know Zendaya. We know okay. Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Yeah. Yep. Jacob Batalon, He's he's Ned. John Favreau. He's in this. I mean, Marissa Tomei is is Aunt May. Tony Revolori is Aunt May. More like more like Aunt May. I clap those cheeks. <laughs> I was gonna say Aunt Bay, but you just got really aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> damn uh i'll leave it at that though we'll get to everyone else i mean if you saw a trailer there's other people that you you know but right. um everyone's coming back from the previous spider-man movies and yeah let's just let's just get right into this shit man yeah so i don't think we're gonna talk non-spoilers for a long time because this movie has things like really cool reveals within the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Let's just, uh, so let's try and hit bare bones stuff. Like, like here or there. Cause I, again, I don't think we're going to talk non spoilers for a while. And then I have like a couple negatives on the movie. And then one of them is just a spoiler. So like, I can't even mention that until later, but I'll start here. Like this movie going off of what we were talking about before. I think this movie gives a fan of, you know, these movies everything they would want. And I also think if you're not even like a fan, like if you're really not like on the bandwagon that much, I still think this movie is going to hit you because this movie is, is funny. Uh, the action is, is great in it. And then this movie also really hits on like an emotional level. And Mm -hmm. I think I said this to you yesterday, like the only like Marvel movie that really does that is probably Endgame, Like, yeah. It's the only and that's the only one that like I could think of actually like crying in. And this one I was like getting choked up at points. Like this is this movie pretty much like narratively gives you everything you want. And uh like if you're even if you're not wrapped up in the entire MCU, the moments that happened in this movie and this contained movie are done extremely effectively. So I think even if you're not a fan, like you're still gonna love this. And we'll get to the scores right. later, but there's a reason why, like, I feel like you look at a lot of like audience scores and sometimes they're, they're very like wildly different because there's people that just come in here and they're just like, Oh, I want to shit on Marvel. But I feel like it's actually hard to shit on this movie. Even if you're not a fan of uh, these types of movies. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. And I think another reason why, so like hundred percent agree with all of that. The action's amazing. The humor is spot on. Like I laugh, I had good hearty laughs at like a good amount of this movie. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, like the heart, the emotion that's in this movie is great. And I think, so one, obviously I think it's written very well, but I, I don't think I would have said this for homecoming because homecoming and even no way home. Uh, or not No Way Home, sorry, Far From Home. See, it gets confusing when you basically name all your movies the same thing. <laughs> but um, I don't think a standout in those, like I always like Tom Holland's performance, both as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. I think he's the most well-rounded. Mm-hmm. I think in, in past Spider-Men, there were, there were Spider-Men who were great at being Spider-Man, but 
their Peter Parker was a little bit off or an amazing Peter Parker, but the Spider-Man itself, like there's just like these, um, not that there's like a big difference in the characters, but just like, I don't know, aspects of it. I feel like I'm like, eh, it's a little bit too much to this side and not enough. It's not as well balanced. I feel like Tom Holland is a very well balanced uh, rendition of the character. Yeah. And I never, you, I mean, you don't really see him pulling out the big guns until like infinity war when he gets dusted or end game when Tony Stark dies and things like that. Um, but this, after this movie, I'm like, Tom Holland showed the fuck up and like gives an amazing performance. Great. Awesome performance. Like, and I'll say across the board, I felt like everybody on screen and especially when you have such a large ensemble, so many characters to juggle, so, so much going on and a lot of big names. And I think mm-hmm. that's why they do so well is because they're big names and they know how to do it. But you would almost think that something like this with how big and how limited certain characters screen time is that they would kind of like maybe, maybe phone it in a little bit at least, or be like, you know, like this is a cool idea. It's fun to do, but like my heart's not as in it. Like I'm, you know, it's a good check. Yeah. Like I'm happy to do it for the check because that Marvel money, but I didn't get that feeling from anybody. And there's certain people who are surprised surprises later mm-hmm. who I would have almost suspected would be like, yeah, like I kind of want to, I kind of w- would like to leave this behind. Cause like I do other things and this isn't like everything that I want to be remembered for. So maybe they wouldn't give it their all. Every fucking person showed up and gave a hundred percent. I don't yeah. think anybody phoned it in. I've, I, I was, I would have been fine too. If some people were like a little less into it, but everybody really felt like watching it. I'm like, I think everybody really wanted to do this and is super stoked to do it. And you hear interviews with like Willem Dafoe talking about revisiting the green goblin character. And, and that's not a spoiler cause it's in the trailers and everything. And that's no big deal. But, um, and hearing the way he talks about the character and talks about coming back and he's somebody who's done so many movies, so many you know, uh, Academy Award uh, nominated or winning movies. And like, he is such a esteemed decorated actor. And for him to come back to a character that he did in the early two thousands from a comic book movie where he's wearing like this weird suit and flying around and being (laughs) kind of over the top, but he can come and bring this nuance to the character and something new and different that we didn't really get to fully see in uh, the Sam Raimi trilogy. So not only did he come back, but he, he wasn't like, I'm just going to do the same shtick and make it over the top and crazy, whatever, and just like, whatever, it's fun and I'll get paid. He mm-hmm. really cared about what he was doing. And I felt the same way about Alfred Molina's performance. And 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 again, these are all in trailers. We all know Electro. The, like Jamie Foxx, the, way, the things that he brought to the character and the things that, the way that they played it, I felt like everybody really fucking brought it. Yeah. The way that I put it to my brother like we were talking about it after i saw it and we were i was pretty much just like again i'm not going to mention specific people but i th- there are people in this movie like you've been mentioning that had their own movies where they were pretty much the star of that movie and i think everyone for the most part is better in this movie than they were in their own movie like 100% 
like Alfred Molina was awesome. Uh, Willem Dafoe is great. And I mean, Marissa Tomei is, is like amazing in the limited screen time she has in this movie. Um, yeah. yeah. And I mean, just overall, it, it did not feel like, cause that was my concern also. Like I was worried that this was going Spider-Man three vibes to a degree where it was just too many villains on screen. And this movie's long and I felt like they really did a good job balancing the screen time for everybody. But I was definitely concerned that it was going to be just too, too much going on too you know, too many people, not, how do I put this? There was too many people involved to actually give them substance really like on screen. And, uh, and I feel like everybody really brings it like you were saying. And I don't know, man, I was just, I had concerns about that and they pulled it off great. And then it would just help that. I felt like, you know, the writing was spot on and the actors were like super committed to, to doing it. I had read like some interviews too. And they said the hardest part was getting people to come back. Um, but it sounded more like, you know, some people there was concerns over like, I will come back, but I don't want you to like de-age me or, or I do want you to de-age me. Like apparently Alpha Molina said, he would come back if they de-aged him. And Willem Dafoe said he would only come back if they did not de-age him. Um, That's funny. But uh, there was other actors that like were very unsure about it until like the studio was like, no, this is the script. Like this is what's going to happen. And like they were convinced from the writing on the page. Like they were worried they were just going to be like cameos or something like that. Like, I don't really want to do that. And they're like, no, you're integral to the story. You're very important. Right. Like check this out. And they're like, oh, wow, this is going to be, this is going to be great. So yeah, I uh and to yeah, juggle I, that many villains too. And yeah. and each I will say there are two who don't get nearly as much screen time as others and they are less integral, but that's going to happen when you have so many. I was going to say they're also not really in the movie. Right. I mean, they wow. I I couldn't believe they were able to. And even with the characters who are non-supers, you know, like you have Ned and and MJ and they didn't even get forgotten by the wayside. And their characters also grew and mm-hmm. sh- shared important uh, pieces of this of this whole story. I was like, this is fucking brilliant. How did they do it? How did they do it? I don't get it. You know, um, I just want to go back to just the acting real quick because you had mentioned Tom Holland and, and his performance and stuff. You had mentioned, uh, you know, when he gets dusted in Infinity War and stuff and how hard that hit. But uh, I do think, like, because I think we're both in agreement that out of the three Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, Far From Home's the, the weakest. Yeah. And you know what, like, I think is lacking in that movie is really just, like, there's, like, a gut punch moment in every one of these movies. And I rewatched both of them uh, in the last week. Even like his first outing as Spider Man, not including Civil War, because that was more of like a cameo. But like in Homecoming, he's got that uh that scene when like the building collapses on him, and he's like right. doing the come on like I'm trying to remember the actual line, but he's just like like come on, I think it's come on Spider Man or something like that. But uh yeah. like that that moment, he's like killing it acting wise, and I feel like you've always seen uh like glimpses of like man, like this guy not only really cares, but he's fucking great as his character. And for a long time, even after I like homecoming came out and stuff, I was still like, man, just based on like nostalgia and how much it meant to me. I think like, I still like Tobey Maguire the most as Spider-Man. But after this trilogy, 
Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. Like I, I think he's just he is Spider-Man at this point. Yeah. And uh you know, I I don't know what they're going to do. We'll get down, you know, that wormhole later with uh what they're going to do after this movie and stuff. And he is signed on for three more appearances, but I think it's at the point where like you know, Sony's going to want to do their movies eventually and you know, they have the rights to the character. I'm pretty sure it's some sort of deal where they have to put out a Spider-Man movie X amount of years. So it's like, they're going to have to find a way eventually. Uh, someone is going to have to find a way to make a Spider-Man movie without him, whether that's, you know, soon, which I don't think it is, but you know, maybe yeah. like 10 years from now when that happens, I think people are going to be pissed. They're going to be like, no, <laughs> that's, that's not my Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's so embodied the character that it's hard to remove. It's hard to remove him from that. We, we talked about Eternals last episode, and mm-hmm. I was talking about the visuals. I was like, sometimes this movie looks like it's got the best visuals. Sometimes it looks like it's got the worst MCU visuals, like no middle ground. Uh, Eternals cost like $200 million. Uh, this movie surprisingly only cost $100 million, half the budget. Uh, wow. visual, visuals that many uh, actors? Yeah, I know. I was That's why I was like, where did the, the money go? Because like you would assume it would all go to the actors, but they're... Every every one of these Spider-Man movies also has had like a really really dope action set piece and uh like the one with Mysterio with like the whole illusion it's really trippy and Far From Home is mm-hmm. awesome but there are scenes in this one particularly a moment between uh Spider-Man and Doctor Strange that is fucking crazy and I was just the visuals are awesome I was so into it uh with like the mirror realm and all that stuff. Um, and then like, like we said, they de-aged Alfred Molina and stuff. The de-aging looks great. I, this is like, again, this is, they did a great job stretching their budget because I think the visuals are awesome. And I also don't think this movie is like extremely, extremely CGI heavy. Like obviously there are a lot of visuals and there are those big action set pieces, but um, this doesn't feel like it's, the visuals are ever trying to take over. But when they happen, I was just like, man, this, this looks so good. And I checked the budget and I was shocked, but yeah, I think really strong visual effects on this movie as well. Yeah, dude, hundred percent. And, uh, you know, I thought about that too, because the, the villains that you see the least amount of are the villains who are all CGI. And I think mm-hmm. that was smart because we got to spend more time with like the act, like the people you could see, like the actors, like the human the humans that you see. And I think that makes sense too narratively because there is, it's a lot about like humanity or not, not humanity, but like being humane and like, why are these villains the way they are and what are they going through and looking at it from their perspective, which is always something that Marvel's not always actually, but at a certain point in Marvel's history, they started being like, these villains need better motivation. They need a reason. Like we need to see why they're doing this. And mm-hmm. almost be like, I don't agree with how you're doing it, but I get it. Like, I get where you're coming from, but man, are you doing this the wrong way? Mm-hmm. So I think they, not only were they able to do that with what they got, but they went back and and did it for characters from not even the MCU, you know? Yeah. Well, I, are they technically part of the MCU now? <laughs> well, now they are, I guess. But who, <laughs> yeah. who's to say? That's, yeah. that's a big, big old question now. You know, you know, it's funny because um, I had mentioned there's there's two villains that really aren't in it as much. And you had just mentioned they're not on screen as much. 
um, they couldn't actually like, I thought this was funny. I guess apparently due to scheduling conflicts, they couldn't actually get them in. So they just did new voiceover work um, for those characters. Cause there's a few scenes where you do see them as people and, but they're just old. It's old footage from older movies. And uh, I was just, but I was just like, you find the time to, to be on set for, for this right. Spider-Man movie. Like, wh- how? You ain't doing anything as big as this. <laughs> so Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I was just like, what the hell? Uh, why aren't you in this? But it didn't really bother me either. I guess a couple of non-spoilery things also, like, not like a huge standout, like it wasn't like Dune or like Candyman or whatever, but really like the score on this movie. There's music taken from older, like, Spider-Man movies and stuff like that, given a new spin. Um, yeah, a few few uh, moments like, like themes almost. Yeah, th- yeah, few few moments that like kind of gave me chills. I was like, oh, it's so cool. I'm trying to think of other stuff. I mean, I think we hit a lot of non-spoiler stuff that I wanted to get into. Like for me, the biggest things is just this movie's got heart. It's got humor. Like the visuals are great, and I felt like it was I, very well paced. Yeah, it's a, like I said, it's a long movie. It does not feel long. Like this movie is is got you the entire time. It flies by. There's not a, there's not a dull moment. I I can't think of any moment where I was just like, oh, when are we gonna get to the next thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Like it peppers in the action consistently throughout. Yeah. You want to just get into spoilers, man? Because you know I want to. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. Do you have anything else? No. Well, I have a lot, but yeah, yeah. It ain't it ain't gonna be talked about unless we tell everybody spoilers. All right. All right. Let's let's get into it. <sighs> Now the big question is, where do we start? Do we start <laughs> from the first thing that can be spoiled? Because it's something that I'm going to scream about. Um, Go for it. Matt motherfucking Murdoch! <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Tomato tomatoes. <laughs> It's an we, A plus because Matt Murdock. <laughs> we had we had talked about this too. Like that was another thing where uh, we were just like, "There's a rumor," and uh, and when he showed up, I thought I thought about you in the movie theater. I was like, "Oh, it's so good." And the way he's used too, it's like I I had said this. I think I'm pretty sure we talked about him potentially being in this movie when we did the first trailer for this movie, which I'm trying to remember the episode for. But when we did that, I was like, you know, I would just be really cool with him being in the MCU because he is somewhat different than everything. Like every character is getting more and more ridiculous. Their power levels are getting like higher and higher. And a lot of the movies and events that I like, like we talked about Shang-Chi, which I'm assuming now I'm thinking about Shang-Chi is probably the episode that we talked about this. But I like the more visceral moments of these movies when it's when it's more like uh, like scaled back and and like hand-to-hand combat and stuff like that. And mm. I love that they're introducing him because he's different than everyone we've got right now. And I yeah. think he kind of replaces um, kind of like the void of some characters that might be leaving of like some smaller scale stuff. Not to say that his events are going to be smaller scale, but I don't know. I just, I love that he's in it. And then the way he's used in this like five minute scene, not even is so good. Like they, they, uh, you you can get into it. All right. A number of things that I think are important to note about this before we go further. I love that this is, this is the case 
I want people to take note because obviously this movie centers around characters from various cinematic universes crossing over into here. You know, we got Lizard from the Garfield films. We got Electro from the Garfield films. We got, um, and I don't mean, you know, Garfield, Tale of Two Kitties, but Andrew Garfield. <laughs> I'm not talking about I Hate Mondays and Lasagna. And then we got uh, Doc Ock, Green Goblin from the Raimi-verse. So obviously they're drawing in characters from these different cinematic universes. But what I think is important to point out is that Matt Murdock is brought in before the multiverse opens. So they are, they are telling you from the, cause I can see people getting that tripped up and like, Oh yeah, because the multiverse opens. So like the Netflix shows got dragged in. No, they are saying that Matt Murdock, that Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox, daredevil, has been and is a staple in the MCU. He is in the MCU. He is in our main timeline continuity as Daredevil. That is not a Daredevil from a different universe. That is not a different Matt Murdock. That is the main story arc, Daredevil. I love that. I thought that that was great. Bring him in before everything opens. That way there's no question. He is our Daredevil. He is our main guy. Mm -hmm. His appearance... Both times I saw it, I had to do air karate. I've only done air karate in a theater three times. One time you were there for me, and that was when Red with me. That's when Red Skull showed up in Infinity War. I did air karate. The time before that was at the end of X Men: Days of Future Past, and the post credit teased Apocalypse, which ended up blowing up in my face. But at the time, I was super hyped because I love X Men and I love Apocalypse, and um, I didn't know they were going to make a shitty movie. Um, I was just excited. Those are the three <laughs> times I've ever done air karate in the theater. Endgame, I didn't do end karate for anything. I just sat back in the chair like, oh, fuck. Yeah, Endgame, I'm pretty sure you jizzed next to me. Oh, when when he leans in and just whispers, Hail Hydra, I was like, yeah. ooh, daddy. <laughs> Literally, you went, Hail Hydra, and you went, oh, <laughs> and you leaned back in your chair. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, God. This man just jizzed. Yeah. Well, I did a little bit of both. So when I saw it the second time on Christmas and um, after I did the air karate and then that scene ended, I leaned over to Meg and I whispered in her ear, like after the daredevil stuff was done, I was like, I'm so fucking hard right now. (laughs) I'm harder than that brick that he catched. (laughs) Right. So that's the next thing I want to bring up because (laughs) I love this moment. So he has such a small amount of screen time. And again, what I was talking about with, or what we were both talking about with how they're juggling so many characters, but everybody gets a moment and everybody feels importantly placed. I love that he was his lawyer. He shows up, he helps him out. I also love that. Of course he was the only one who could be his lawyer because with his senses, he can tell when people are lying. He can monitor heart rate and body temperature and things like that with his, with his sense. And um, so any other lawyer is going to be like, well, I'm going to believe what the TV says. And if they are showing a video that he did this thing, then I'm going to trust that. So of course, Matt Murdock can be like, not only will I help you, but like, I know for a fact that you're innocent because I can sense, I I know that I know that to be true. You cannot lie to me. It's literally impossible to lie to daredevil. He knows, you know? Yeah. Um, So he's the only lawyer that really could help him because he's the only one. And that's why Matt Murdock has always been such a great lawyer and generally wins these seemingly impossible cases because he's like, oh, I know this is the truth, 
So I know I can find the truth because you can't hide it for that long. It will always come out. So now that I know you're being honest, I know I can defend you because I will find the thing that sets you free because I know it's out there. So love that he's his lawyer for that reason. But then we know Spider-Man has the spider sense. He can sense the danger. He uses it numerous times. And I also loved how they showcase the spider sense in this new movie and how much focus it got. I feel like it was always a thing in the other movies, but it wasn't, it wasn't until the end of far from home where he really honed in on it and used his spider sense. Like that's how he got around like the drones and like the illusions and things like that. Um, but that was his first big leap into trusting that spider sense and really knowing how to hone it. And then you see it a lot more developed in this one, even with that spider sense, you know, Matt Murdoch's telling him about like, He's like, you're going to be fine. You're, you're okay. Like, you'll be taken care of. They don't have anything against you, blah, blah, blah. He's like, but you are going to be up against the court of public opinion. And there's like, what are you saying? He's like, well, people think that you did this. He's like, the public is going to like lash out against you. And then a brick comes flying through the window. And before Spider-Man can even react and get his hand up, Matt Murdock catches it. And mind you, these people don't know he's, he's a super. They just think this is a blind lawyer, but he catches the brick quick as fuck like you can't even you can't even slow it down and catch how fast this motherfucker moves with it and then peter parker like pauses and he stares at him he's like how did you do that and i love this line and it makes me laugh every time he's just like i'm a really good lawyer yeah <laughs> he's just like whatever about it but what's so important to me about that is that you're bringing this character who has yet to interact with any other characters from the cinematic universe because he's only existed within the Netflix shows and all of those people are street level and you're introducing to a larger audience uh, this character up against Spider-Man who we understand his power set. We understand his spider sense now. We've seen it in action. We know it's strong and this guy can react faster. His senses are stronger than Spider-Man's spider sense. That is comic book accurate. Daredevil can wipe the floor with Spider-Man in terms of being able to anticipate movements, anticipate uh, maneuvers and stuff, and be ahead of him. Daredevil's senses are stronger than Spider-Man's Spidey senses. And I think in that brief moment, what they did was kind of like what we were talking about when it came to like how directors use uh, perspective and scale, like especially Denis Villeneuve, we talked about it with Dune. Here's, here's this image, and because I put this thing that your brain understands the scale of, the size, a human in the foreground, and then you have this massive ship, it gives you this idea of perspective of just how big that thing must be because this organic thing that I know is about this size being next to it sets up in your mind the perspective and scale of what that other thing is. So now we're doing that, but not with physical images, but with power sets. We know how strong Spider-Man's Spidey sense is. So the fact that Matt Murdock can be that fast, that much ahead of him, immediately tells your audience, this guy is deserves to be here. He does have a skill and a power that is worthy of going toe-to-toe with what the MCU has brought to us so far. Mm-hmm. And I think that's brilliant, especially because he's my favorite uh, superhero. So. <laughs> Both times, uh, I, I had told you this before, but I didn't see this movie on opening night. I saw it uh, like 
four days after it came out or whatever, but uh, I've seen it twice now. Both times that I've seen it, uh, which were days after it came out, people went apeshit in the theater when he showed up. I feel like that yeah. just shows you how how you know much people love that character and that casting. Also, I'm just curious, does this open the door to maybe, I mean, can you bring in Luke Cage or something like that? I don't know. I don't know if, if like those actors even want to, but just I would love Luke Cage in the MCU. I think that'd be really cool. I, I would sacrifice. I love Luke Cage. Love the actor who plays him. I think he's perfect. Love Jessica Jones. I think she's amazing as that character. I would gladly sacrifice both of them if it if it was the only way that I can get John Bernthal as Punisher. He mm. is the only Punisher. He needs to come back. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it's fully confirmed, but I'm pretty sure Marvel has already basically been like, been like, if we are going to bring in the Punisher, it's going to be John Bernthal. Oh, cool. I th- I'm pretty sure they're on. They're also in the camp. They're just like he was amazing in the show. We really want to work with him. We think he's great. Um, if he if we're bringing in the Punisher, I think he's going to be our guy. And Ugh. that's the right answer. That's what it needs to be. John Bernthal as Punisher. And we will talk about theories later, but I don't think we're that far away from it. Ooh, okay. Um, do you want to you move on to something else? Oh, yeah. Oh. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... First off, you know I love Doctor Strange. I yeah. loved the dynamic and I loved the storytelling between his and Peter Parker's relationship. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was brilliant because each of these movies, Peter Parker has had some kind of mentor, kind of father figure. Yeah. And from trailers, you almost would assume that that's what Doctor Strange is going to fill. But the way that Doctor Strange treats him, I think is brilliant because you almost get the sense that Peter is tr- is wants to look to him as a mentor but Doctor Strange looks at him as a peer yeah which you which you get from that line where he's just like Peter like we saved the universe together you don't need to call me sir type of thing yeah like you almost get this sense that Peter is still like yearning for for that father figure. Cause you know, in our universe, he, he didn't have his uncle Ben. He d- clearly doesn't have his parents. He lives with Aunt May. He had Tony Stark and then he died. Um, he thought that Mysterio was kind of filling that void and he had someone to look up to. Oh, cool. Another superhero, somebody who could understand what I'm going through and help me out and everything and trust. And then that backfired. And then now he has, he's still like searching for that, that kind of that figure in his life that he never has really had. And then, uh, but Dr. Strange isn't, isn't like that. He's not like, he doesn't have that mindset to do that. Or at least you think that and like, he's a lot more cold and stern with him and a little bit more like, it's like, yeah, I'm going to help you out because like, I think there's a lot of like silent stuff going on within Dr. Strange in this movie where he knows what Peter has been through and it's not mm-hmm. like a pity thing, but it is kind of like a, and you see it too at the end of the movie because he says the line about those like, you know, like we've been through so much together and I fought alongside you to save the universe that I forget that you're still a kid. You know, like I look at you as Spider-Man and forget that Peter Parker is still a high school student. You know, like I, yeah, 
you know, it's, it's, you do, you do kind of lose perspective of like a maturity level. And I think especially Dr. Strange being as arrogant and tough as he is, he, he expects a level of maturity that you can't expect from a 17 year old or 18 year old, however old he's supposed to be. So I thought that that was played very well. I love that they played off of that dynamic. I think there was a lot of uh, nonverbal storytelling there. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of nuance in both of their performances there. I also yeah. loved um, some simple nods, some little Easter eggs. I actually, oh, I don't have the hat in here with me. I have this pin and it's a pin of Spider-Man as the Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> so I wore that. I put that on my hat going into the movie. Cause I'm like, Oh, Dr. Strange is in the movie. Spider-Man's in the movie. I'll wear this because it's a little bit of both of them. And then sure enough, like the, when the cloak goes after Spider-Man and catches him and wraps around his neck, I'm like sitting there. I'm like, I'm literally wearing that pin right now. <laughs> the exact image of Spider-Man with the cloak. I'm like, oh, yeah. coming. I'm coming right now. <laughs> the thing, the thing that I wanted to say just about Dr. Strange's kind of uh, involvement in the movie, because he's not in it a ton. Like he's really mainly only in it the first, you know, kind of, I would say the first, uh, end of the first act really a little bit at the end yeah but uh one one thing about him is I, and i think i've said this i'm not the biggest fan of his movie but i've also said i think the more they've used him in like smaller stuff the more and more i i, I like the character like i think they're doing a good job with him currently that they've almost kind of done with ruffalo where it's like every movie will pepper in a little bit more to get you more and more into the character and i think now dr strange is becoming some of people's favorites like I think he's a fan favorite now. Um, he's a top but, three for me. He's yeah. top three for me. And uh, but I, what I really like what they've done with it. There's a lot like you were saying going on behind the surface with him because they've actually retconned something in this movie. Um, originally in the script, it was written that um, Wong was dusted. This movie right. retcons that that he wasn't. And that now he is now the Sorcerer Supreme, which we were kind of talking about with Shang-Chi, like, what's Wong doing? Like, what's what's his involvement been this entire time? So, right. you know, Doctor Strange has now basically been, he's had that title revoked from him, and he no longer has the Time Stone, which they confirm in this movie. He is wearing the Ayo Agamotto, but doesn't have the Time Stone. Um, so I feel like there's, like, he is someone who literally in the blink of an eye went from basically having all the power to no power. I mean, not, not no power, but you know what I mean? Like he was the sorcerer yeah. Supreme. He had the time stone. He dusts and then he comes back, you know, immediately. Cause you don't know that you're dead for five years. He comes back and everything has changed. So like part of me feels like, which was also a concern about this movie. I'm like, I don't really know like how I'm going to feel about, uh, Dr. Strange, like fucking up the multiverse. Cause that feels out of character. Um, right. But also, like, now when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, there's a lot going on. Like, he might be dealing with shit where it's like he wants to feel more, like, like important. Like, he, he wants to have a bigger role. I don't know if that's exact if I'm saying it the right way, but I think you can kind of get no, what I I'm got saying. You. Yeah. Like, he, and, he wants to work on a grander scale than what he's delegated to now that he's not the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. And he's always been overly ambitious, always out trying to reach out past where he should be. That was a whole story they were telling with Doctor, the first Doctor Strange where he starts using the eye of Agamotto and controlling the time stone. They're like, how do you know how to do that? You've been doing this for like fucking four weeks. He's just like, 
I'm a genius. What what can I say? <laughs> and uh you know, just going off of that, this isn't so much with the character. That's that's pretty much what I wanted to say about Doctor Strange. I just feel like they've left him in a good spot now where it's like he feels like there is um maybe like a turmoil within him a little bit. And and I really like that. It makes him more interesting. Um right. but also just in terms of how like the multiverse like opens, quote unquote. I really like because we were also questioning that, like, so are, is Doctor Strange opening the multiverse, and so is Loki, like simultaneously. We still don't know where Loki lines up with this, but I do like that this wasn't him basically being like, like the entire multiverse was open, like it looks like it was in Loki. Like it looks like this. I like that this was a contained Spider-Man centric thing where it was only open for a few seconds, and right. I know towards the end, shit goes a little crazy as well but um i really like what they did that because again like that was another concern i had and i feel like they pulled that off really well where i'm like okay great like now i don't have that um i'm not questioning like why is it opened in two different stories basically by two different people like what the fuck's going on so i think they did a really good job with that and um and then just man when when it's opened at the end there are some pretty cool Easter eggs in the... Oh, that's so another, many Easter yeah. eggs. So that's, fucking many. You know what, like... Well, I want to get into that, but that's also just been something in general in these these John Watts, like, Spider-Man movies. They've, they've always been littered with Easter eggs, and... But they're done in, like, a way where it's just like, oh, that's really cool. Not like, uh, oh, you're trying to draw attention to it. But I feel like there's right. just so... Like, Homecoming... Uh, there's a very you know small nod to Miles Morales. Um, yeah, love that. There's yeah, another like, one in this one. Yeah, like they they have really cool stuff like that sprinkled th- throughout, and um, you know, the portals kind of open up a little bit towards the end, or like you can see characters, and looks like Craven's one of them, and yep, it looks Scorpion's like Scorpion's one. one. Yeah, Rhino, think, more comic think, book accurate Rhino. Yeah, I was going to say, those are the three that I really saw. But Craven, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And and I'm pretty sure Craven's cast already, too. I'm pretty sure Aaron Taylor Johnson is cast right. as Craven. And uh, but I was just like, oh, oh, okay, that's really cool. And uh, just in general, like, they're not, it's not anything that if you don't catch it, you're going to, you're going to be lost. Like, this isn't something like we were talking about Eternals. I felt like some of the Easter eggs in Eternals were almost like either heavy handed or they were kind of necessary for you to know what they're doing. Um, like especially the stuff for like black Knight and stuff. And, uh, but this is just like, if you're not privy to it, it's not going to like ruin anything for you. But if you are privy to it, you're gonna be like, Oh shit, that's fucking awesome. So, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, something, something for everybody. Yeah, love the Easter eggs in this movie. Love how Doctor Strange was handled. Um, I I have two like kind of like negatives. I don't know if I should get up to them now because I don't want to save them for the end. Just be like, oh, I'm talking all these like amazing things about the movie. So maybe I'll just yeah. say this one because this one relates to Doctor Strange. Yeah, hit me. Something I don't like. Like I've seen the movie twice. Knew it was coming the second time. Still did not like it. Don't like how. I got to be careful how I tread this, but don't like how the portals were opened by Ned. Like, I don't like that. Ned was able to open up the portals. I'll just say that. And, uh, it's for multiple reasons. Like 
I don't it doesn't bother me so much that um because Ned as a character going back to kind of Easter eggs Ned as a character is actually a character from the comic books and he becomes a villain and there's there's an Easter egg kind of you know funny moment in this movie where they're they're kind of talking about that and he's like I promise I'll never become like a villain basically but um I not necessarily opposed to like Ned like getting powers maybe I kind of am because I'm just like okay is everybody a super at this point but I get it like his character does have involvement in the the comic books in that way but what just bothers me is like it's super convenient how it happens in this movie and I I just don't buy that this kid who's just wearing this ring without even trying to do it basically makes all these portals open, which like end up being like huge factors in the movie, bringing in characters. And then also like Dr. Strange, like he just opens up a portal for Dr. Strange, like conveniently right at the end. And uh, I just don't buy they'd be able to do it because he need he would need to train. Also, like if you've watched Dr. Strange do any spells and stuff like that, he doesn't just say like, Where, where's this person that just opens up? Like, I, I don't know. I did not like it. I felt like it was very convenient and i don't know i disagree with you really yeah i agree with the convenience factor especially with bringing dr strange back at the end just accidentally but a couple of things everybody is able to do that everybody has that in them if you can find like if you can find that balance between your spiritual self and everything else that is the whole thing that the ancient one is trying to say and the reason why dr strange struggled is because he was in his own way with his arrogance and believing that he's so smart he should be able to do this thing that he wasn't calming his his chakras really so that's why he wasn't able to do it right away but anybody could do it anybody could do it and there are some kind of mystical things on the wall at his grandma's house. So it wouldn't be too crazy to think that maybe somewhere in his line, like, and especially, and I I don't know if this is just an assumption based on nationality and things like that, but like, you know, like the, the, the knives on the wall and things like that, like a lot of, um, a lot of like Eastern beliefs are a little bit more spiritual, a little bit more on that side. So would it be that crazy that he might just be able to kind of like tap into that natural ability if maybe he was raised around a culture that is a little bit more in touch with that spiritual element. I can believe that. I can totally see that. And the reason why he's saying it out loud is because he doesn't know what he's doing. He is untrained. And like maybe that, you know, it's, it's, it's raw. It's just raw ability he doesn't understand why it's working so he's doing things kind of wrong and i can i can understand that 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 could be a possibility that i didn't feel like that was such a wild stretch like it doesn't mean that ned has powers or is magical himself because technically nobody is inherently magical when it comes to like commertage and all that like they are trained to access the thing that every single person has inside of them so it's not even that he has superpowers it's just that he he might be a little bit more naturally in tune with a more spiritual side of himself that he is able to to utilize that kind of unknowingly i just didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) me just defending it i'm like it makes sense shut up 
I, I I mean, they give him a line in this movie where he's like, my fam, you know, my my mom's always said that we've like had magic in our family, blah blah blah. Like, I I see them trying to to put the you know the plant the seeds to to make it work. I just right. I don't I don't like the convenience of it, which is just a complaint I have with any movie. Like, I hate when things just happen super conveniently. Um, yes, it definitely does create a convenient subplot, but. I didn't think it was so outside of the box that it was unrealistic, so I was okay with it. But it 100% does make it like, oh, well, that is very convenient that you can just do that now. Yeah. So I get that, but at the same time, I'm like, I understand. I understand Mm -hmm. that within this world that this is a possibility, so it's not like so far-fetched where I'm just like, what the fuck? This is kind of out of nowhere. I'm like, it's grounded, even though it's like, I see how you're using it and like, good for you, I guess. But like, it is at least a little bit grounded. Yeah. And just the other negative that I had, it mainly applies to like one or two moments. But the big one for me, I don't know if I'm like the biggest fan of the editing in the movie. When it comes to this, there's kind of like the big climax of the movie. Um, there's a big set piece involving everyone in, like in, in the movie, but then really it comes down to uh, Tom Holland against Willem Dafoe. And oh, love it. I love it in theory. And I love what they did with Green Goblin. Really did not like that fight scene at all. I like the part at like later on where he's just unloading on him and you like you see like the rage basically. And I was just like, oh, damn, like this guy's going to fucking murder him. <laughs> and uh and I, I know Willem Dafoe said that he tried really hard to like do as many stunts as he could, but that right. fight scene when they were actually fighting looked like a fight scene between someone who was spry and someone who could not do anything <laughs> because it cuts a lot and it is, you can't see what the fuck they're doing for the beginning of it. And then what basically once Tom Holland unloads, then they got like the camera just sitting there. But uh, right. I didn't, didn't like the editing. I don't know if that's so much on the editor there. It might just be, they had that was the footage they could really use, and I think a, a little bit of this is maybe the product of uh, just the movie being really long. But there's a few things where I just feel like it jumps around a little bit. Like what was what happened in between here? Like I would have liked to have seen, um, like what happened with Green Goblin when we first see him. Like he shows up on the glider, then the next time you see him, he's like got the helmet off and he's like freaking out, and he just breaks the helmet and he just leaves. Then he shows up in Aunt May's feast, uh, whatever you want. To, it's feast, right? Is that what it's called? The yeah, homeless shelter. The organization. There's there's just things where it just feels a little bit like it's jumping around at times, and I think that's also just a product that this movie's really long. There's probably a super long cut of it, but I think at times the editing is like kind of shoddy. Um, okay, those are the only two real criticisms I have. One one just being. Don't like the convenience of Ned being able to open those. And then two for your climax, it was just a little bit of a bummer that I couldn't see anything. I can get that. Well, speaking of uh, green goblin, there are some things in here that I can see people being like, that's kind of fan servicey, but like, fuck it. I don't care. I cheesed really hard and I laughed and like, I loved it. But when they're in their cages and um, Peter Parker's talking about trying to help them and everything and, and come up with ways to that they can kind of cure them and save them. And then Green Goblin, uh, Willem Dafoe with the line, and he's like leaning in it. He's like, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Oh. I 
I laughed so the whole theater popped for that. Everybody was like, "Oh shit, that's amazing!" Because yeah. it's funny because modern time, like 2007, was like a time before memes, or at least they weren't what they are now. Mm-hmm. So it's like that is a very popular meme now. So you could say like, "Oh, he's referencing the meme," but it's like, well, not really, because he's just saying the line from the original movie. So is he referencing the meme or is he referencing the movie? Is it both? I think it's a little bit of both. I thought that that was so fucking awesome. I was like, yes, I don't even care if it is fan servicey. You got me. That was perfect. Perfect yeah. moment. And the in the humor in this, there's so many good funny moments. Jamie Foxx shines in this movie. Mm-hmm. Jamie Jamie Foxx is is great. And it's great that he got his moment because uh on paper, Jamie Foxx should have been awesome in his movie. He was terrible. Yeah. That, like that's like one where you're like, fuck. We wasted opportunity and they really kind of redeem him here. He gets a lot of screen time on this and he, his character is really interesting in this. And I really love his arc. Same humor is great. I don't really want to go too much into the, the humor. Cause I feel like humor has been strong on all these Spider-Man movies. If, yeah. if far from home has like one thing going for it, far from home is hilarious. Like that, far from home might actually be the funniest out of the three, but I didn't want to say this though, going back to Willem Dafoe and like old, like throwbacks think also like you just going back to some fears, I think the movie could have gotten messy, bringing in all these different like characters and explaining it and stuff like that. But there are so many things that are so fucking smart in this movie with how like they knew every fucking movie. And there's a line between Tobey Maguire and Willem Dafoe in the very first Spider-Man movie where it's during that scene where he's like, I'm somewhat of a scientist. And Tobey Maguire is like, I've read all of your research on nanotechnology and then in this movie, there's a weird like kind of thing where I've seen some people being like, how did that happen? Where Spider-Man's suit made of nanotech bonds with Doc Ock's uh, tentacles in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man you know, universe. His tentacles were made by Oscorp, which were doing nanotechnology like research. So it makes sense why they would be compatible. Shit like that. I was just like, that's fucking awesome. Like I so brilliant. Yeah, I love that. That's something where it's, you can tell the people who made the movie like really knew, you know, everything that was done inside and out. And uh, I love that. Like, yeah, I was going to say, this is, this is that difference where like last episode we were talking about Eternals or how I felt like I didn't feel like that movie was written by somebody who really loves the comics or really understands the universe that they're working within. This is the exact opposite. mm -hmm. Not only do they love what they're doing, but they, have such a, a care and appreciation for everything that came before it and everything they want to do after that they they so carefully managed all of these things and tied all of these things together in the most perfect way, a sensible way where you can look back and some some prick on the internet can want to be like, well, that doesn't make sense how... And it's like, you can't even do that to this movie <laughs> because they were like pay the fuck attention. Like you could tell they researched the shit or, or at least they knew it enough. Like they're big enough nerds that they were like, we know exactly how to make it make sense. Yeah. And tie all of these universes together. There is common thread between them. And I think that they did such a good job finding what was important from the past series of films and what was important about this series and how they can all kind of play off of each other and tangle their webs, so to speak. <laughs> the last thing just involving, you know, kind of throwbacks, and this isn't even really a throwback, but when Alfred Molina played Doc Ock 
and whatever that was, like, I can't remember when the first Spider-Man movie came out, like 2004 or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. The tech, he used prosthetic tentacles. Like, they right. had built these gigantic puppets, and he, like, could not walk with them. So most of, like, the moments with him in the movie, he's pretty stationary. He's kind of just standing there, and then they're just puppeting, uh, you know, the tentacles around him, but it's not like a huge like CGI fest. Um, right. One of the best scenes actually in the movie is done mainly with CGI, which is the like autopsy type scene. But anyway, um, I just love like, you know, they're bringing, you bringing these characters back and when you're redoing something or bring something back like this, there always has to be like a reason like why, and you don't want to damage the original vision you want to stay true, which I think is why they have these things like the themes from the original movies with like the music and stuff. Like you want to be respectful, but also you want to know, like, can we improve upon anything? And Doc Ock gets really only like one fight scene in this movie, but the stuff that he gets to do in this was just stuff they couldn't do back then. And he fucking, his action scene is so good. Like, oh, it's great. I I love it. And when I was sitting there watching, it, I was just like, this is so cool because it's we've seen Doc Ock, Alfred Molina action scenes, but we haven't seen it done like this before, which is like the cool thing, which is why I was kind of saying I think there are moments in this movie with these characters that you've seen before that are just done better, which is just awesome. And uh, so, yeah, like and Spider-Man 2 is arguably the best Spider-Man of the Tobey Maguire movies. And it's just like so cool that they can expand upon that movie and give you something new and fresh that like is potentially better than what was in his own movie. And uh, yeah, now you can go wherever you want. I just wanted to say that because it's so cool how like filmmaking's changed and just, they took yeah. something that was already great and made it even better. Oh dude, absolutely. They do that with all of these characters. That's the thing that I couldn't believe is that you're pulling characters and we'll get into that with uh, another spoiler, but you're pulling characters from different movie universes not only doing their movies justice, but expanding upon their characters, giving them more, even furthering their story arc in this movie with limited screen time and being impactful and making it make sense why they are the way they are in this movie based on where we left them off a decade, over a decade ago. You know, yeah. like it's, it's insane. Insane that they were able to pull that off. Love that they were able to do that. But before we get in, because I, I do want to go back to that when we talk about the one other big spoiler. But before we do that, I will say R.I.P. to Aunt Bay. Oh, yeah. That scene is so good. So, so good. We were. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just just talk about it because it's I don't want to do. Oh, it's so, so good. <laughs> it's so good. So. A big thing from when they announced Homecoming, it's like, oh, here we go. We got to watch Uncle Ben die again. And we loved that they didn't do that. They didn't Mm -hmm. go through and do what we saw already twice before in different Spider-Man movies. They did something different. And then here we are, third movie. And it's Aunt May who, who gets it. And the way it happens is so brilliant. Because, like, Mm -hmm. in one moment, you know, his... Green Goblin, I also love that it's a villain that does it and not just like some random thug, like kind of Batman style, but it's due to this villain. 
So like Green Goblin's glider comes in and he's just trying to tell Aunt May like, go leave me. And she won't do it, which makes sense based on everything else she's been saying about like, don't look at it as it's not my problem. Like that's bullshit. Like Mm -hmm. you need to stand up. You need to do that. And she's doing it and she has no right to be there trying to do that shit. But she, that's who she is. And that's who she's trying to show Peter she, that he needs to be. So I thought that that message was really strong there. And then she gets clipped by the glider and then uh, Goblin goes to throw a bomb and then Peter redirects it. And then I'm like, oh no, is she toast or whatever? But then she gets up and she's moving. They pull this fucking switcheroo on the audience to be like, because they could have just easily had her lying in the rubble and that would have been it. But nope, they wanted to fill you with that that false sense of, and in the moment too, I was like, and even Meg, because I knew it was coming now because she saw it with me. It was my second time, her first time seeing it. Even she was kind of reacting like, what the fuck? Like bullshit. Like, how does she not that badly hurt? Like that looked crazy. <laughs> and you, so, and we're so used to in these movies or in any movies, it's like, oh yeah, like no consequences. Like this thing can happen and people can walk away from it because it's movies. You know, it's not real anyways. It's fictional. So it tricks you into that there. I feel like they were playing off of that notion that we already have when we go into movies where like, yeah, people can walk away from explosions like that unscathed. And they use that against the audience to be like, yeah, we're going to make you believe she's okay. But then like the way she's acting, it's like, is she concussed? Like what's going on? Cause she seems weird. She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. But you can see she's shaken. And she's like, I'm just tired. I just need to catch my breath. I just need to catch my breath. Never once realizing like, like, oh, Peter, I'm dying. My last words, things like yeah. that, like that tropiness. I loved the fact that she was just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then just gone. And Peter's like, he knows what's happening and he's just losing, losing grip of, of, of all of it. He doesn't know what to do. Like he really feels like a child in that moment, like just watching basically his mother die in his arms mm-hmm. because of him. And yeah. It's so powerful and impactful. And before, before she's like, I need to sit down and like, I'm, I'm dying and everything. She delivers the, the, the responsibility line with great power line. And I love how they did this too, because this is comic book accurate. And I can tell people were kind of like, huh? Like with the way she said it, but she says with great power, there must also come great responsibility, which in the past movies, it's always been with great power comes great responsibility. It's been streamlined, but in Mm -hmm. the comic books, the first time it's ever written, and these are words written by Stan, the man Lee. Yeah. The guy Stan Lee wrote it as there must also. So I love that she was, she was the one who delivers the line and she delivers it the way it was originally written by Stan Lee, which I thought was also like a kind of nice nod and tribute to Stan Lee using his actual words. Everything about this scene is mm, delicious, brilliant, heart-wrenching. Oh, oh, it's everything. It's so good. Yeah. That's one of many moments that'll that'll hit you. And again, like I just loved it from the standpoint like like you said when they they started these movies like we're not doing with great power comes great responsibility. We've all seen that shit. You don't want to see that. And then they recontextualize it here. And it fucking kills you. And I was just like, it's brilliant. It's so good. Yeah, it shouldn't uh, work, but it does. Yeah, it's so good. And like, kind of, I don't know if this was intentional, but like you're talking about how it's Stanley's words. Like, I kind of feel like, you know, they're not putting his cameos in it where he actually shows up. Like, 
it's not right, but I feel like this is how you do it. This is how you pay respect to him. Like if you want to keep putting him in there, like you put some of his best lines in the movies. And I think it was really cool that they, they changed it because they could have just done it. Like everyone knows it already. Like why change it? But it's, I feel like that was a conscious decision to be like, no, Stan wrote it this way. This is how we're going to put it in. And I, I love that. Right. Yeah. I, I thought that that was really, really good. Really classy a very subtle nod. Uh, again, everything about the way that they they put these Easter eggs in this movie, like you said, has been so subtle and so carefully placed where it doesn't feel like very aggressively in your face and on the nose like how some things in Eternals was, which is why I felt like it wasn't written by a true a true believer, so to speak, to use more of Stan's words. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just thought that this was so well done, so well crafted, and it has... And it, as well, it should the death like this and hit for him. This I think this Peter has had the hardest go of all of the Peters. I think this one has had the hardest time. I, he's lost. He already doesn't have his parents or Uncle Ben when we meet him. He loses Aunt May. He loses Tony Stark, who's like a father figure to him. He's lost the whole time. He's constantly lost. He gets dusted while he's off off world <laughs> on a different planet, like way out of his league, like. You know, he and then he comes back to lose Tony Stark. Like, dude, he is he has been through so much in this cinematic universe. And then what he has to come that he doesn't even know about at that point, but the way this movie ends and the decisions he has to make, the maturity that it takes for him to do mm -hmm. what he has to do, not once but twice in this movie, dude. There's so much going on with our Peter Parker in the MCU that I think hasn't had to be dealt with by any any other one. I just he's so good. dude. Oh, I can't I can't say it enough. I think this is yeah. This might be the most perfect Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it might be, honestly. Um, you know, and we haven't just, even gotten to the biggest shit. Let's let's get to that because I know like this is going a little bit longer and we still got something big to talk about, but uh, it kind of goes off of this. Do you want me to say it? Yeah. <laughs> the worst kept secret in Marvel came true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And still got a huge reaction. Yeah. Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield show up in this movie. And it oh. was, it was awesome. Even though we knew it was happening. And uh, what I wanted to say though, is like, you're talking about like how Tom Holland, Spider-Man has like seen the most shit. What I love what they do with this is they pepper in. There's a really good scene on a rooftop with with all three. And you hear kind of like what happened to those characters after their franchises ended, essentially. And yeah. man, Andrew Garfield's backstory, kind of what they give you. I oh, was like, oh, I'm man. Right now. Yeah, it's so good because it's like he's seen some shit. And also the implications of, you know, he's basically just like he says, uh, I got bitter. I stopped pulling my punches. It's like in his universe. Does that mean that Spider-Man was killing fools? Cause it sounds that way, which is it just does gnarly. Sound that way. Yeah. I think he was. Yeah. So I, I love, I love that. Like just love, um, you know, kind of, uh, showing where it's gone. And you know what? Like even with Spider-Verse, which is not related to this, but in that movie with Peter B. Parker, like that was a damaged Spider-Man. So like I love that you know they they brought these guys in and you, you kind of uh 
they kind of showed you, yeah, like, you're, no, you know, the known commodity of Spider-Man is, is this kid who, like, yeah, it kind of, like, sucks to be Spider-Man, but it's also not that bad. But then you see these people that are like, no, like, shit got really dark and depressing for these people, like, in their life. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that about, you know, what they did with them. They could have just brought him back and had him just be that douchey skater boy kid from the first two movies. But it's, you know, we were talking about how they everyone is so much better. Andrew Garfield gets probably the biggest glow up out of anyone in, 100%. in these movies. Like, Andrew Garfield, I had said, like, don't give a shit if Andrew Garfield comes back. I just want to see Tobey Maguire. Andrew Garfield is fucking awesome in this movie. Dude. The limited time he's in it. He's so good. His care, his Peter Parker becomes the heart and soul of the movie. He really, I feel like even more so than Toby, really brings so, so much perspective to Tom Holland's Peter Parker and like helps with that. And like, there's so much uh, relating to Garfield's. First of all, he got a huge reaction both times I saw it. Mm -hmm. um, the audience pop big for him, which you wouldn't expect. Also, there's so many interactions between the Spider-Man and his character that I can see it sense were like subtle nods to. So like, obviously his franchise, like one didn't get finished two wasn't well received. Yeah. So I loved the whole scene when they're like waiting to battle and Toby and like, he's just like, Oh man, you guys did like awesome things. It's like the most I did was like, I fought like a Russian guy in like a, like a mechanical <laughs> rhino costume, which I thought was a great slam on rhino. Yeah. But then also just like, he's basically being like down on himself. Like I'm the worst Spider-Man, which critically speaking, that's how like the public had felt about his movies. Like, Oh, these are the worst Spider-Man movies. And he's like being really shitty about himself. He's like, I haven't done half as much cool stuff as you guys did. And they're like, no, like don't talk about yourself like that. Shut the fuck up. And, I, and then obviously like the on the nose aspect of it, but I thought it was really funny. Toby yeah. being like, no, like you're, you're, you're amazing. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's, his series was the amazing spider. I thought that that was so funny, but yeah, like we're going to jump around a little bit when we talk about the Spider-Man, cause they do have different aspects that they bring to them. But the scene that I predicted from the trailer, when you see mm -hmm. Zendaya falling, and mm -hmm. I was just like, and you see Tom Holland jump after her. I was like, if if Andrew Garfield's in the movie, I think he should be the one to make the save as a redemption for Gwen Stacy. Not only did they do it, but they did it better than I imagined because like, you he talks about it earlier in the movie when when they're up on the roof, and he talks about losing her, and he talks about how he thinks about that all the time and he thought about yeah. that decision all the time and then like the way he's looking at Tom Holland and Zendaya uh, interacting when they're in the school lab and then when he goes and he sees Peter get you know Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man get taken away and then he can jump in and save his MJ for him but instead of doing what he does in the movie where he grabs onto something and throws the throws the web to catch her which is what you know, breaks Gwen's back and she gets the whiplash and everything. Yeah. He dives, catches her, then webs and lands on his feet mm -hmm. and saves her. And that I'm going to cry right now thinking about it genuinely. <laughs> like the look in his face. Cause he like for a second, he's like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, but like you can see he's being overwhelmed because like you, there's so much thought. Like you can see the thought of just like, if only I had done this for Gwen or like you can tell he had thought about that moment every day since it had happened. 
Like, mm-hmm. if only I could have done it differently, this is what I would have done. Like, he knew immediately what he had to do because it's all he can think about was, the, in hindsight, what he should have done to save Gwen's life. And now he was able to do it. And that redemption, dude, overwhelmed with emotion. And it's and there's no words. He doesn't say anything. He just, like, like kind of bites nods, his basically. lip and, like, yeah. Like nods and smiles, but he's like clearly holding back tears. Dude, so much nuance to his performance. Andrew Garfield showed the fuck up. Amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> amazing Spider-Man. I, afterwards, I was like, is he the best Spider-Man now? I want to <laughs> see a third amazing Spider-Man. I want it more than anything. And I think everybody was just like, dude, Andrew Garfield's incredible. Why did we hate him so much? Everybody is asking for it now. Everybody wants a third like there's like petitions out now. It's like the re- release the Snyder cut. It's like people are like give Andrew Garfield his third Spider-Man. He deserves it. Well, and there's I, even a nod to it in the credits. Did you pick that up? Ooh. Uh no, I don't think so. Well, so, I did want to say I think I think he is getting a movie. I don't know if that's con- 100% confirmed, but the rumor is that we are getting it and he is going up against Tom Hardy's Venom. So nice. that's that's the rumor. That's the rumor. Do you, you want to just talk about the ending or do you want, is there more about the Spider-Man stuff that you want to talk about? Well, to finish on Andrew Garfield, I'll say in the credits of the movie, um, it shows pictures like when they're like, it's like, oh, and starring Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And it shows a picture of, of half, half uh, actor face, half Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So it's Tom Holland and it's Peter Parker and Spider-Man fully colored in. Cause you know, it's all pencil drawings and stuff. Yeah. Notebook drawings. Then it's Tobey Maguire, half Spider-Man, half Tobey Maguire, fully colored in. But Andrew Garfield's, when it shows it, his Spider-Man half is not fully colored in. It's unfinished. Oh. Kind of hinting at his trilogy never ended. His, his, His third movie never happened. So his trilogy, his story is unfinished. There is more story to be told there. So everybody's like, why is he the only one? who wasn't fully colored in there must be, there must be more story to tell. He, he needs to be finished. His story is not done. Yeah. I thought I think, that if that is true, that's an amazing Easter egg and what a brilliant way to kind of hint at like, there's more to come from him. Yeah. From what it sounds like there is more. Like, I think, I think they were trying to find a way to have Spider-Man and Venom fight each other in their movies. And I think they yeah. kind of found it. I don't know how I feel about that because it's like, now I like Andrew Garfield Spider Man. <laughs> don't, don't make me hate him again. <laughs> but right. uh, I don't know, man. I I really hope they they do it well if they're gonna do it. And uh, yeah, no, he he shows up. Tony McGuire is great. I just think you know I was expecting him to to be great. I was expecting for that to hit me. But Andrew Garfield uh, just like fires on all cylinders here. It's he's, yeah. I think he's the biggest surprise performance. Not that the surprise that he was in it, but how surprising how great he was in it. Yeah, and then like last like big spoiler, and then we can just do the trailer real quick. I don't even know if we're gonna be able to get to it. It's getting long, but like implications of the movie, nobody knows who P- Peter Parker does not exist anymore. Like nobody knows who Peter Parker is. It's it's pretty crazy. I don't know where they're gonna go. There's a lot of places they could go now, but uh, there's one thing that I loved at the end. You know, like he tells MJ right before this spell happens that basically erases his memory from all people's existence. Uh, He's like, I'll come back and find you. And, uh, you know, he goes back to find her 
and he can't bring himself to tell her like what happened because they got into MIT and they're happy and I, he's basically just like I'm gonna let them live their life. But uh, if you want like any any type of like anything for hope that they will get back together or that things will be okay or whatever, like really small detail. I love that MJ is still wearing the broken black Dahlia necklace. I think that's so fucking sweet. Like what a sweet moment. And uh, I was just like, that's really like, again, just really sweet, really cool. And uh, like that hit me. Like I was, I was already feeling all the feels. And then, and then I noticed that and I was like, damn, these, these fucking guys dude. <laughs> dude and that scene is so powerful for other reasons like again so he had to make that super mature decision to be like everyone's gonna forget me it's the only it's the only way like i have to make this sacrifice basically to close the multiverse and even and and that was a great scene because of dr strange too because this whole time dr strange has been looking at him as a peer and treating him as such and being like you need to grow up you need to grow up this and that this and that and then, like, when Peter offers the, like, what if everyone just forgot who Peter Parker was? And then mm-hmm. Doctor Strange is like, you can't do that because, like, everyone who loves you, we will. And he, like, kind of, like, catches himself, like, basically, like, admits, like, he does really care for him. And, like, you do see that a little. And, like I said, like, how you get this sense where it's not pity, but, like, he sees what Peter has had to go through at such a young age and feels for him so deeply that mm-hmm. it's like, wow, like I, it sucks what this kid has had to deal with and how much he's had on his shoulders this whole time, but he never really says it. And in that moment, it's like the first time he really like breaks through and is just like, yeah, I do. I do obviously care about you. And I thought that that was brilliant too. And he's just like, everyone who loves you, everybody who cares about you, we won't, they won't remember you, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that little thing of just like, him basically showing like, dude, like that sucks. He's like, cause he realizes like, you're right. This is the only way, but mm-hmm. like, fuck like, dude, so much packed in there. So then Peter has to make that super mature decision. And then he goes to fulfill his promise to MJ love of his life. And he sees her and he's ready to do this thing where he can like, just tell her who he is and basically try to catch her up and everything. And then he sees the Band-Aid and realizes, if I involve her, like, I'm putting her in danger. Like, her knowing I'm Spider-Man causes pain. And if I love her as much as I do, the best way I can protect her is for her to not know who I am. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to stay away from her. It's the only way I can keep her safe is to stay away from her. And that level of maturity that it takes for his character to come to and... Again, another loss, another loss in his life. He loses his best friend. He loses the love of his life. He lost his Aunt May. Um, Nobody knows who he is anymore. He doesn't have the support of Doctor Strange, Happy Hogan, all these other things, which is also weird because they know who Spider-Man is. So do Mm -hmm. none of them think, like, how do I not know who's under the mask? Like, what? Like, I don't know. That's questionable. (laughs) We'll see how they play that in the future movies because obviously eventually people are going to have to learn who he is again which I will get to with theories, but um, yeah, what a, what a harsh life for that Spider-Man. Also side note, that donut shop that she works at is in Brooklyn. It's called Peter Pan donuts and it's across the street from the place I used to get tattooed. Really? Yeah. So I used to go in there all the time. They got really good donuts, but yeah, it's in Brooklyn. And I thought it was funny cause it's Peter Pan. 
Peter yeah. Parker, two okay. P's, Peters, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, cool little thing. Also, this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> right at that. Yeah, th- this counts as our Christmas movie since we didn't get to do one this year. <laughs> yeah. Love uh, love the new, like, suit that he's got at the end. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Do you want to just get Tomato Tomato? Do you got anything else? I have so much more. Um, we didn't even talk about the other um, post credit scene. Yeah. We could do it. We could do that quick. Post credit. Okay, go, go for it. Is, is the follow up to the post credit of Venom 2 where that he flashes over into the MCU universe. But this mm-hmm. time he's at a bar in Mexico and he's asking somebody about like the events that have happened. In the, he's like, so let me get this straight. Like a purple guy came with these these stones and he snapped away half the people in the universe. And then five years later, they come back. He's like, that sounds ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. Being all Venomy. And then... Um, and then the multiverse is fixed and he disappears back to his home. But a little bit of Venom symbiote is left over, dropped, left behind, and starts crawling on the bar. And everyone's like, ooh. Um, quick thing, I think that's going to Flash Thompson. It, yeah, that would make sense. I mean, because like that's, Flash Thompson is Agent Venom in the yeah. comics. That was like another thing where I, um, I was saying like there's Easter eggs stuff these movies like, I always liked that Flash Thompson was in the movies and more than just what he is in the original Spider-Man movies. Like he's a, he's actually a character. And uh, right. also like Tony Ravioli is like great actor. Like he's, he's awesome. So it's like you had someone in these movies um, who has chops, um, you know, playing that character, but he wasn't a villain. I always kind of liked that. It was like that character is a, you know, is something within the universe. He becomes something. Um, maybe he isn't right now, but, it you know you could you could see it because he is kind of the bully. Also, I don't know exactly how they're gonna you know they're gonna make it work or anything like that. But um, they foreshadow. I don't even know if, if I should say this because it might go down a rabbit hole. But basically, I'd mentioned they foreshadow like Ned becomes a villain in the comics, yeah. and I don't think he's gonna be a villain in these movies. But like they like it's a nod to it for comic book fans. But uh, if you're doing Flash Thompson in this movie, Flash Thompson says like the thing that I want the most, which he makes Peter Parker do to get him like a second chance at MIT is to tell everyone that he's his best friend. So like in like this weird like way, it's almost like your best friend becomes your villain. I wonder if they make Flash Thompson the villain in one of these movies by becoming, I think they would too, because in comic book, uh, lore venom the venom symbiote becomes obsessed with spider-man which is why when venom you know takes form on eddie brock he has the war that kind of crazy it's the venom logo but it looks like spider-man's logo it's because mm-hmm. the symbiote becomes obsessed with spider-man and his powers and things like that after being on his symbiote suit he's mm-hmm. like that's what i want i want to feel that that's why he adopts the logo that looks similar, which would make sense for Flash Thompson because now the Venom symbiote, who is also obsessed with Spider-Man, and Flash Thompson, who is obsessed with Spider-Man, they merge together and then they be they become the Venom for the MCU. I think yeah. that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's kind of that's what I thought too. I, I like how the post credit scene's done t- as well because I want Venom in the MCU. I think everyone wants Venom in the MCU. I think everyone wants a good Venom. I don't think people want Tom Hardy as Venom. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so it's like you, you you get a way to bring in the symbiote into the MCU without having to use Tom Hardy. And Tom Hardy's great. It's just I just I don't like his Venom, and his movies are terrible. So right. yeah, and I loved how they did that. 
You want to do tomato tomato and then post credit? Yes, we will do tomato tomato now. All right. Tomato tomato. The critics, they're bringing us in at a 94%. So an A. Okay. A. Solid Audience. A. Tomato. They're bringing it in at a 98. So you got like an A to an A+. Plus. So here's the thing. Go for it. I think this is really hard because as a movie, as a movie, just based on movie stuff, I would give it one grade. But as a fan, as somebody, as when you factor in theater experience, um, the emotion, my feeling, my overall feeling leaving the theater, what it made me think and feel and all the possibilities and just where it stands against all these other movies and all the nostalgia and the history and everything. This is an easy a plus for me. Mm-hmm. Is that your grade? Yeah. A plus. Okay. Yeah. I was hoping that you're going to make this really easy for me, but then you literally just said my dilemma <laughs> because I think, I think as a movie, there's a few issues that would make it an a, but as a fan right. how much I love this movie, I think it's an a plus. And you know what? I'm just going to go A+. Plus. I'm going tomato. I'm going A+. Plus. Strictly because I want the only A-pluses that I gave this year to have Zendaya in it. <laughs> exactly. Yo, she's killing it. Yeah. Although, so. she, although I did see a movie from this year that has Zendaya that is not an A+. Plus, and it's the actually mo- kind of towards the middle, low end of my list. Yeah. That movie, though, I will say this. That movie sucks. She is awesome in it. Like, she is excellent. Yeah. Um, oh, she, yeah, she definitely is. Now, before we get into the trailer park, do we want to talk maybe some theories? I do have a couple questions, too, but I know that there's stuff that we want to get to. Ooh, let's, let's start with the, let's start with the questions because it might lead into some of the theories, but also I'm just going to say this right now. I don't have a theory about what the next movie is. I'm going to tell people what it needs to be what it should be and what it probably will be because I'm that (laughs) fucking good at this. As we've seen, I've predicted so many of Marvel's next moves on this show proof that I can call it months in advance. I'm telling you, if they don't do what I'm about to tell you, they should do. Then there's going to be riots in the streets because I got a great idea. I'm going to DC. Yeah. I got a great idea though for the next movie, but yeah, what, um, what questions have you good, sir? Oh, well, I'll start with this because this is pretty just pretty broad that because I think there's more specifics. I know you do have a theory about one thing. So I'll, I'll hit you with this. And I brought this up briefly to you, but we were uh, we were on a quick call. So we had to hop off. But when you look at this trilogy, start to finish all three movies, mm-hmm. where does it stack up in your opinion with other superhero trilogies? Not even doesn't even have to be just Marvel like. Yeah, I'm not going to count Avengers because that's more of like a team up trilogy. But if you stack it up against like solo characters, their trilogies all time, where does it stack up? Because I'm thinking about it. And I mean, his trilogy is so consistent. Yeah, that there's really not a misstep. Like, I mean, we said before, Far From Home is the weakest out of the three, but we still really like it. And uh, all the other Marvel trilogies like. Sam Raimi, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3 sucks. Like, the Captain America movies, the first one's not great. The, you know, Civil War is okay. Thor has missteps. I mean, so far, Guardians has been very good, but 
Yeah, we haven't I seen three yet. We haven't seen three yet. So um, the only one that like I can think of that like really might be better is the Dark Knight trilogy. Right. But but even if like I'm thinking about that too, I like Homecoming more than Begins. Yeah. But the Dark Knight is the Dark Knight. Like that's still probably yeah. the best superhero movie ever. But then I probably like No Way Home more than Rises. I definitely like No Way Home more than Rises. Yeah, it's hard though because it's apples and oranges, man. Because Christopher Nolan wasn't doing what they were trying to do in this movie. Like they're doing such different things, and the things that make the Dark Knight trilogy amazing are not what makes the Tom Holland the the home trilogy. We'll call it amazing. Like they're they're just not doing. They're not trying to do the same thing, so it's really hard to compare. But in terms of consistency, I do think that this is probably the best superhero trilogy. I think it's better than Tobey Maguire's trilogy. Uh, it's definitely better than any other solo characters in the MCU because Iron Man, I don't like Iron Man 2. Iron Man 3 is a pretty solid misstep. Um, Thor mm-hmm. and then Thor The Dark World, I'm not a big fan of. Ragnarok's great. Uh, Winter Soldier's great. I don't really, I'm not crazy about the first Avenger. And Civil War, in hind- like it's cool, but in hindsight, like, there are definitely some things about that movie that make it less enjoyable after I've went back and rewatched it recently. I'm like, hmm, it's kind of quick cutty. And yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know. There's some problems with that movie too. Like I, I, but in terms of this trilogy, I think it's super consistent And any issues I have with uh, far from home. They're not like major, like it mm-hmm. at the time, it just didn't feel, it felt weird coming out after Endgame. So I think that was like a big thing uh, thinking about it. I really want to go back and rewatch it. So maybe the timing was weird with that and it didn't feel super consequential at the time. But now with this movie coming out, I feel like it made Far From Home more valuable. Yeah. You said this to me on the phone and I thought it was a really good line. You were like, Far From Home walked so no way home could run. Oh, right? 100%. Yeah. So... Yeah, man, it's. I think it's up there for sure. Like in terms of just consistency, it's definitely up there. Um, I probably like the Dark Knight trilogy more just because the Dark Knight is the Dark Knight. But this is like, this is really good. It's really good. I don't know if people are giving it the credit in terms of like a full trilogy that it deserves, but I mean, they delivered something pretty rare where you have three bangers of a movie in a trilogy for, you know, superhero without any missteps. And that's, like, also the thing, like, Sam Raimi's is so good besides three, and three probably would have been really good if it wasn't for studio interference because that was the whole thing is Sam Raimi had four movies written, and then Sony basically was like, no, you have to put Venom in this movie. Like, we need Venom, and they made him, like, rewrite a lot of the script. Yeah. And I feel like with a lot of these movies, when they start getting bigger and bigger and they become cash cows, the studio interferes more and more. And real, you know, here, I think they, they had a vision. And, I mean, I guess to Sony's credit, they let Marvel do their thing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to have three bangers of a movie in a trilogy, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's not easy at all. And um, not only did they, I feel like they pulled that off, but being able to, to rope in and carry on the story from other trilogies or other se- series 
they, they just did something that was so seemingly impossible or at least very difficult. And mm-hmm. I feel like they knocked it out of the park where it's really hard. Like it's hard to not say that it's, it's might be the best trilogy, but then again, that's the thing with talking about Christopher Nolan, like Christopher Nolan, he brought a, like a real cinematic touch to superhero movies that it, it elevated what a superhero movie could be in terms of the craft. I don't feel like necessarily the craft is being elevated by the Spider-Man home trilogy. I would agree with that. Yeah. But in terms of story, I think it is. I think, I think um, in terms of what they did with the character and the story that they told, I think it is. And obviously there's elevated things when it comes to like, um, like graphics and action set pieces, things like that. Um, But that's, you know, they they elevated it in the sense of, like, computers, whereas Christopher Nolan elevated it in the sense of practical effects. So that's what I mean. They they were making completely different movies. Like, one is dark and hard-hitting and visceral, and then this one is a, feels more comic booky. It's a little bit more vibrant and fun, but it also has heart and drama and, and these deep moments. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's... I think for sure... Uh, this trilogy is more consistent and more fun to watch all the way through. Like I, I would get more out of watching all of these movies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's for, quicker. For sing- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think for single consumption, like just movie to movie, like I'd take the dark night all day, but I do. I, part of me thinks as, as a whole, this is probably a little bit more enjoyable because I know a lot of people that really like begins. Yeah. Be, I don't know. It never really like did a ton for me. Like I haven't really revisited that movie a ton. Yeah. And, I've uh, seen that movie I, quite a few times. It was one of like the early Blu-rays I owned. I, I recently got like the Dark Knight like trilogy on 4K and I watched the Dark Knight and I watched Rises and just had no desire to watch Begins. <laughs> I you don't should know check why. it out again. Yeah, maybe I will. I, I always felt like out of everything, because those movies are very grounded for the most part. There are, like, things in it that are more over the top. But for whatever reason, I always felt like um, Scarecrow's, like, like the drug and stuff and what they were seeing was very over the top compared to everything else. Yeah. So I, f- I feel like out of the three villains, Scarecrow's is the weakest. And I know Raja Ghul is also. Raja Ghul! He's, <laughs> he's, also <laughs> he's also a villain in that movie. But, yeah. Anyway, enough enough Batman. Yeah. Let's get back into this because we wanted to talk about uh, you know, going off of that, where they might go with these movies. I'm not gonna tell you where they might go. I'm gonna tell you what they need to do. Okay. So Sony and Marvel agreed that they're like, Yeah, we need to make more of these movies because damn is it a cash cow. Of course they're gonna make <laughs> more of them. They're like, Oh no, that's it. And then this movie comes out and they're like billion dollars. Okay, yeah, we'll keep making them. Because Sony can't make that money mark without Marvel, and they know it. They know mm-hmm. it. So this is what I think they need to do. Nobody knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Nobody knows who Peter Parker is. J. Jonah Jameson is on the hunt to find out who Spider-Man is. Charlie Cox's Daredevil is in the MCU. Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is in the MCU, which I guess is a spoiler for Hawkeye. 
I was gonna say spo- spoiler. <laughs> Whatever. We're way past the spoiler zone. That shows that show and that episode's been out for weeks too. So <laughs> I I didn't know that. <laughs> well, spoiled for you. It's all over the internet. But the point is that these characters exist. Their their storyline is canonical in the MCU now. They're dragging that in. I think this this next movie. I think people are going to be on the hunt for Spider-Man. I think J. Jonah Jameson and or Kingpin are both going to hire people to hunt for Spider-Man. I think Craven is going to come in in this next movie and he's going to chase after Spider-Man. Like maybe Kingpin hires Craven, right? Mm-hmm. To, to track down Spider-Man. And J. Jonah Jameson is like, I need to find the the thing. And then somebody's like, oh, I got this guy who's like ex-military mercenary. Like he's really good at tracking down people. And J. Jonah Jameson believes Spider-Man's a villain. Kingpin is a villain and doesn't want Spider-Man being a hero. So easy to just tell like, oh yeah, he's a villain. The Punisher's origin in the comic books is he's a hired hitman. And he is informed that Spider-Man is a villain and that's why he needs to take him out. And then in tracking, Spider-Man realizes, oh, he's not the villain. And then doesn't like quite turn good, but it's just like, oh, like I'm not on the right side of this, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a thing. This is what the story they need to do. They're trying to find, people are trying to find out who Spider-Man is now. People are angry. People want answers. They're trying to track him. Punisher is set on his tail and Craven are set on his tail towards like the late second act, beginning of the third act. Punisher realizes Spider-Man's not the bad guy that I was told he was. And the person I'm working for is actually a piece of shit. So he flips, but he sees that Craven, he doesn't even care about the hit anymore because he's so enticed about the hunt. Cause that's his thing is always just like hunting the most dangerous shit and the most difficult yeah. thing and taking pride in that. So I think Craven is going to be like, or, or maybe you flip it. Maybe Kingpin hires Punisher and J. Jonah Jameson hires Craven. And then J. Jonah Jameson's just like, hey, like pull, pull back, buddy. Like I didn't hire you to kill him. I just wanted you to find out who he was. But then Craven becomes so incest with like, I need his head on my fucking wall. And, and then it's like, oh shit. Like I didn't realize who I was hiring. This has gotten out of hand. He's got to pull away, you know, but then mm-hmm. Punisher realizes Spider-Man's actually a good guy. And then the Punisher helps Spider-Man take out Craven because he won't stop coming for him. So then like at the end of the movie, it's like Punisher is teaming up with Spider-Man to help him handle Craven because he's such a fucking beast and will not stop. That's a fucking movie. And then in that, like in, in that in between, we start our Miles Morales origin. Like we, we really get that going. And then throughout the next two movies, Peter Parker ends up becoming the mentor that he has always had, but he becomes the mentor for Miles Morales eventually, Mm -hmm. like slowly building that up peppered in, but his being hunted by Craven and being hunted by the Punisher kind of helps show him like, maybe I need to hang up the mask for a while. Maybe this isn't, this isn't the role I should play. Like being Spider-Man has become such a, um, not only a dangerous thing to myself, but like such an endangerment to so many other people, so many innocent bystanders after seeing what Craven would do to other people to get to him, what the Punisher did to other people to get to him, that he's like, 
I need to lay low, but I can help this. This kid's going through something. Miles Morales is going through something. I can help him and I can help him not make the mistakes that I made, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then you start planting that seed. And then he kind of takes on the role of like a Peter B. Parker in the Spider Verse type thing. Maybe not not as like schlubby and like depressed, but <laughs> but I think that's where you go. Craven and Punisher hunting Spider Man. Punisher turns and helps him fight Craven. That's a fucking movie. That'd be pretty cool. I I feel like the I would be interested how they would pull it off, just because Punisher is so dark and these movies have been very a lot of a lot of comedy and stuff like that, but. I am not. I'm gonna say that you're right about Craven being in the movie, just because they've already cast him. Yeah, and there's rumors of what Sony's doing with their movies. So I don't think he was cast for a Sony movie. I think, uh, I think he was cast for the MCU. So that makes sense. I'm won- wondering though, like ex- if that's actually where it fits in, just because uh, it didn't seem like they had plans to do more Spider-Man movies until they saw a billion dollars from this one. So I mean. Right. And Aaron Taylor Johnson has been cast as Craven for a while. So I, I wonder where they were fitting that in, but that is, you know, where I think they would go. I think you're spot on. Also, I think they want to transition to miles Morales. And like I said earlier, I think they know people won't be as accepting of a new Peter Parker. And right. it's gotta be a thing where Tom Holland mentors miles Morales. And I think people really want miles Morales in it. Also, like the games are huge. Spider-Verse was, was huge. I mean, you saw how uh, important Black Panther was, so I can totally see that. I feel like Tom Holland needs, like, one more movie where it's his movie, but I think maybe after that, the movies are transitioning more and more over to, like, passing of the torch to Miles type thing. Yeah. That's kind of where I think they're going. I would love the Punisher to be in it, though. <laughs> yeah, how cool would it, that it would be? It would be awesome. It would be really cool. And... Tom Holland's Spider-Man series has taken some pretty dark turns. Even like the vulture, like the fight scene where he's under the buildings, there are some things that are like kind of dark. And, um, and especially in this one, like with the death of Aunt May and there's just like a lot of these scenes are like, they're getting more and more gruesome. You know, the fight between him and green goblin when they're in, uh, happy Hogan's building, and like he's, oh, we didn't even talk about that. He's punching the shit out of him, and Willem Dafoe's just like staring at him, like crazy-eyed Willem Dafoe, just laughing, like cackling, like yes, like fucking hit me, you pussy. I'll t- I'll tell you right now, that's my favorite like action scene of the movie. Is when yeah. they're just like throwing each other through the floors. I was like, that this is awesome, like, dude. He <laughs> so power bombs Spider Man. They were doing wrestling moves. Yeah, Straight up power bombs really him cool. through like three floors. Yeah. I was I was into it. I think the one with Doctor Strange is great, but that one just felt like I don't know. I, it made probably most visceral. It, yeah. it felt more more real. Like the Doctor Strange one is visually really cool, but this one just like I think was more impactful. Yeah, like, because he's not he's not webbing. He's not using his webs. He's just hand to hand, and he mm-hmm. can't get the better of this old ass man. Because I think yeah. people forget too that like. The Green Goblin, he became that way because he took that, like, essentially, like, a bootleg super serum. So he does yeah. have super strength. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if everybody remembers that. Because even at yeah. first, I'm just like, damn, how's he doing this? Despite- oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot what the whole concoction <laughs> was about from the beginning. Yeah. And one last thing, and then we'll get into the trailer park finally. Rumor 
is Andrew Garfield's getting a third movie. That's the rumor. Don't don't quote us, but the rumor is that the third movie is going to be with Tom Hardy's Venom. So if that's the case, then I guess they're from the same universe. Like yeah. they are pulled from the same universe. What do you think about that? Do you even think they should do that? I don't think they should do that because how is there no news of Spider-Man? How has nobody heard of Spider-Man in Tom Hardy's Venom universe before that? Because the first time Tom Hardy's Venom sees Spider-Man, it's Tom Holland when he zaps into the new, into the MCU, like after the multiverse opens. Yeah. Which is also interesting because why did, why did Tom Hardy get pulled into the MCU if the only people who pulled in were people who knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man ahead of time? There is a reason. It's kind of lazy. The hive the mind Venom of Venom? Yeah, like like yeah. Venom says in the Venom Two post credit scene, he's like, like a million years of like hive mind knowledge spanning across galaxies. So like, the symbiote, not necessarily Tom Hardy, the symbiote had knowledge of who Peter Parker was, right? Or who Spider Man was. So maybe in an alternate universe, there is a Venom yeah. who knew. Oh yeah, I guess that would work because the Venom symbiote in um in Spider Man Three, like would have known. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, that Eddie Brock okay. would have known. Also, casting Topher Grace as an Eddie Brock makes no sense because Eddie Brock is like a big, beefy, like football player jock douche. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, I know, we'll get a guy who's even like tinier than Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Makes no sense. But, um, okay, I, all right, I could see that. Now, I don't think that's a great idea because Andrew Garfield just got this redemption from this movie and the Tom Hardy Venom movies are also a two-part movie series that are not critically well-received or even, like, well-received by audiences. So now, what are you going to do? You're going to lump the two of them together. You know Marvel's not going to be writing on the Andrew Garfield one. Like, they're not going to have involvement. So now you're putting it back in Sony's hands, who consistently drops the ball with the this universe of characters. They did it with Venom mm-hmm. twice. They did it with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man movies and I wouldn't say the first Amazing Spider-Man is necessarily a ball drop, but I don't I don't think it's necessarily remarkable either. And um, yeah, you're gonna combine the two? No, you can't do that. Don't do that to Andrew Garfield. Let Andrew Garfield have his own thing. I'm kind of here for him to get another movie, but I'm just um, like worried. I guess like after seeing him in this, I'm like, oh man, he was really good. Like I think I think it would be nice for him to get a good movie, but also it's Sony. So I'm just like, maybe it's just better to leave it off like this. Like, leave him off on a high note. Yeah. And uh, also, like, we even talked about this. Morbius got pushed back again, like, yesterday. <laughs> so, like, just don't that tells it. you everything you need to know about that movie. Yeah, don't They're release it. They're just such a mess over there. But, yeah, do you got anything else? Do you want to uh, you want to get into this trailer? Yes. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. good. So, uh, disclaimer, I've watched this twice in the theater. Yeah. And then I it was leaked on YouTube like a couple days after the movie came out. So I watched it like grainy as shit. Yeah. But this is actually the first time that I'm watching it since they distributed it in HD. So like it'll be nice to get like a like a close look on it. And there's actually a few things like I tried to research weeks ago and I'm hoping maybe I can actually spot it now cuz I yeah. haven't gone back and actually looked but yeah, man, I'm I'm stoked for this. All right, me too. Let's let's watch. Don't cast that spell. It's too dangerous. Why? 
with the stability of space-time. The multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. Your desecration of reality will not go unpunished. unpunished, unpunished. It's a cool shot. It was the only way. That looks like how they draw the nightmare dimension in the comics. But Just I like never meant for any exact same yes. color palette. Everything. Okay, this. Mortal Kombat. You... It sounds like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder. I knew sooner or later you'd show up. I made mistakes, and people were hurt. I'm not here to talk about Westview. Then what are you here for? I need your help. With what? What do you know about the multiverse? Oh, this looks like a ripped comic. I love I'm this sorry, Stephen. I hope you understand. The greatest threat to our universe. Is you. Things just got out of hand. <laughs> I will say this real quick. Possibly the reason why Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't showing his face is because he had a long beard and they didn't want it. They didn't want to like show off that he was probably being double cast unless yeah. it's just prosthetics. But what do you, what are you thinking though? You think it's a swerve? I think that's a swerve. I don't think, cause I saw people being like, Oh my God, they're doing like, um, uh, strange Supreme, like from the, um, uh, what if from like what where if? he's like yeah. evil and everything. I don't think cause it, that looks exactly how the nightmare dimension is drawn in the comics. Like there's like full page and it's like really drab and it's kind of bluish greens and black and gray. And it's like really, I, sh I should, uh, I wish I could find a picture to show you. I think that that's not actually a doppelganger, Dr. Strange. I think that that's nightmare. And I think that, Nightmare is taking the form of Doctor Strange's greatest fears. And one of Doctor Strange's mm. greatest fears, because he is such an arrogant, ego-based character, is that him with immense power and like being corrupted could actually bring more harm to the world. Like maybe it's better he's not the Sorcerer Supreme right now because it's too much for him to wield. He's not so Nightmare is playing off of his both his ego, his um, his arrogance, but also his uncertainty whether or not he's he feels responsible enough to carry that weight and that much power. And it's trying to show him, like, yeah, like, you could have all this power, but you could also destroy the world with it. So what are you going to do, Mr. Strange? You know? 
So I, mm-hmm. I think that's a swerve. I think because it just looks too much like the nightmare dimension that and he's been te- nightmare has as a character has been talked about and teased since the first movie. Like the director's like, I really want to use nightmare in the next movie. And there's been so much talk about nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. And then for the trailer to come out and it to look like his home, like where nightmare is from. I'm like, I think, I think that that's what that is. And I think that they're playing off of the, what if uh, aspect to get people thinking in one direction. They're like, Oh, we could use this, you know? Cause then people are just going to assume that it's what we showed them. And what if, but then that way they show up to the theater and they think they know everything, but guess what? It's not what you, it's not what it appears to be, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That'd be, that'd be cool. There's a few things in this trailer that like I could see that you're probably right. I do have a lot of questions though, just cause there's some things that are like all over the place and I'm not saying all over the place in terms of like, it looks like it's jumbled. It's just, there's a few things in this trailer alone that I like when I saw this trailer in the theater, I, I was like, holy crap. Like, cause I don't normally like when they drop trailers for the post credit scene, but this, I was like, they just showed you so much fucking shit. So like Shumagorath, they show mm-hmm. briefly in this. Very cool. Um, yeah, very cool. I don't know how big of a role he's even going to play, um, but it is interesting. I'm pretty sure Shumagurath ruled over Earth during, like, the time, like, that those gods that we've talked about, that be- the one in particular that became the Darkhold, yeah. I think around that same time. And Wanda's in this trailer. There's a shot of Wanda, uh, very similar to the, like the post credit scene or the last shot of WandaVision where she's in the Scarlet Witch costume and she's doing magic. But if you look, um, she's doing black magic. Like it's the mm-hmm. same color that was coming from Agatha. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know if Shima Goroth is going to tie stuff in with that. Like, cause we were wondering about what they're going to do with the dark hold. Um, you know, th- that's huge. I'm, I love that Miss America's in this movie. Cause we were actually talking about that. Like, a few days ago and I was like, yeah, I think I'm like, that's Miss America. And then you had said you thought it was someone else, but I looked up on IMDb and the actress is cast as America shop as, so I was like, okay, cool. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, like they, I think she's pretty new, but I know they rebooted her, her like, um, like storyline when they did like Marvel now or whatever. Like it's pretty recent. And like four years ago, which might be around the time that they completely rebooted. But I was like, I was just picking up comics and stuff. So I've read like only a couple of issues, but I think it was the beginning of her reboot, but she's a really cool character. Cause she has multiverse powers. Like she can literally kick like a star shaped portal, which they show in the trailer mm-hmm. um, into different like dimensions. So I think it's really cool that they're bringing her in. Also, I think, you know, I don't know what they're doing with Brie Larson, but I think just in terms of the character, she is someone that could um, take over like a Captain Marvel persona. Like I, I have a feeling she's going to be a fan favorite. Yeah, but and I'm, I'm really into that. And then the last thing, the thing that I was like right there, did you catch the Marvel title? Oh, like in the um, when it when it flips through like the pages or whatever. Yeah. No, nah, I wasn't. So you go back to it. I think it starts at like 43 seconds. It's like fractured. They're playing some of like the classic, like what they're playing now, Marvel intro. They're also playing the intro from the original X-Men films. Interesting. Yeah. 
Like, so I don't know if it's just because it's like multiverse or if that's like actually a thing. Oh yeah, I'm playing it right now and I see I actually see there's Doctor Doom in a quick image. In like the fracture. Yeah, it is playing different old and new Marvel Studios title card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I didn't notice that before. Yeah, those are the things so like they're they're peppering and stuff where it's like gods, new characters, then also potentially X-Men. <laughs> so I'm like Damn, this movie might be huge. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to bring in the X-Men, you could do it in a multiverse. Mm-hmm. And especially yeah. if you got Wanda involved, they could just reverse House of M it, you know? So I want I wanted to ask you about it, because I've never read House of M, but I know isn't isn't House of M Scarlet Witch uh, removes mutants from existence? Most of them. Almost all of them, yeah. She, three yeah. words, no more mutants. So like I I've seen people say that they might uh like do it backwards to yeah. to bring mutants in, which might be cool. It, it depends on how they do it. Like it would seem cheap if she was just like <laughs> mutants everywhere and then they just show up. <laughs> it's yeah. like you have the you have the X Men now. Give but, me uh, mutants. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, I'm into it. And the movie looks really cool. Like it's not like uh we're just seeing stuff that we're like, oh, comic book nerd. Yeah. This is awesome. But it's like, you know, visually, there's some really, really cool shots in this in this trailer. I mean, it, it is Sam Raimi. I'm I'm pretty stoked that he's back doing one of these movies. Yeah. There's a couple of Sam Raimi staples in this trailer alone. Cause you got Doppelgangers, which is a Sam Raimi classic. Um, he did that with Evil Ash in the Evil Dead series. He did that with um Kind of with uh, Harry Osborn in the Spider-Man where he's talking in uh, it, to himself in the mirror, like his evil version to his normal self and everything. Yeah, he loves doing doppelganger things. Um, I think he did something like that in, um, what should we call it? Drag Me to Hell too, but I might be misremembering that. You also got a cabin in the woods type thing, like in Evil Dead, but that's where Wanda's held up, you know, cabin mm-hmm. isolated out in the woods. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm so excited to see what this is. It looks dark. It looks insane. Like, uh, I, you know, I love this character and he's had such growth over these movies. Like we discussed earlier. I, uh, I can't wait for this. It's only, dude, we're only like four months away from it. I know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's insane. You know, what's something that I, I just think is really cool. Also just maybe a coincidence or maybe they need to do something else, but there was that like iconic scene. I, I shouldn't say iconic, but there was that scene that everyone was like, "Whoa, that's really cool!" In the Eternals trailer, where Sprite like uh dusts the bus into uh into yeah. like flowers, or whatever. This would so there wasn't anything with a bus in Spider Man, but there was a big set piece with a bus in Shang Chi. There was a big set piece with a bus in uh in Eternals, and then in this trailer, Shimogura throws a bus, and then Doctor Strange chops it in half, and it looks awesome. Like he like buzz saws it in half. Yeah, phase four is all about fuck buses. Yeah, just, we fucking hate public transportation. <laughs> yeah. But I uh I think it looks so sick though. Like I, I kind of like I, I don't want to say like I, I love like oh it's just really cool what they're doing to buses right now, but, <laughs> but but I do think it's uh it's kind of like each movie's like one upping the other one. Granted, none of them are gonna one up Shang Chi, but 
I saw people kind of like shitting on like the thing with Eternals with like, what happened to the people on that bus? Did she just dust them? And then this is much more like violent, I guess. And I don't know. Very yeah. much more Sam Raimi. I'm so hyped. Even before we had trailers or rumors or anything, as soon as Doctor Strange 2 was announced, and especially when they tagged on Multiverse of Madness, this has been the movie I've been most excited to see from Marvel after Endgame. This yeah. this is number has been number one most hyped to see for me by a long shot. I'm not getting that vibe from this trailer, but they did say that this movie was going to be their first horror film. And I'm not getting a horror film vibe from it. Well, I'm not getting humor from it either. No. And we always get humor, and there's always some kind of tag, some kind of button on these Marvel trailers. Eternals had it too, and Eternals is kind of, they're probably their most drab movie besides like Dark World. And um, no jokes. Or, or that one had jokes in the trailer. This one has no jokes. Not in the beginning, yeah. not in the middle, not in the end. They were just like, shit is fucked up, shit is crazy. It's about to get real. No fucking jokes. You know there's going to be, especially when, it, you know, I can imagine in the beginning between um, Doctor Strange and Wong, like, you know, talking. Like, there's definitely going to be humor sprinkled throughout this movie. And it's Sam Raimi. Like, he's always incorporated humor, even in his most violent horror movies. There's always some some kind of shtick to it. But yeah, when when is the last time you remember seeing a uh, a Marvel trailer that didn't have jokes? I feel like even like Endgame and Infinity War trailers had at least some kind of sting in it where there was like one joke or two jokes or something. Yeah. But this is just like, nah, bitch, shit is real. We are not here to fuck around. The typeface and like the uh, May 2022... <laughs> Like if I if I had just saw May twenty twenty two, I'm like, oh, that's the trailer to like Malignant. <laughs> like the yeah. font looks exactly like a horror film font. Yeah, but yeah, no, I I'm assuming you know the next trailer they put out is probably going to be tonally a lot different. That's usually what they do on these movies is they put out one yeah. trailer that's like significantly different than the other ones. I'm wondering if the next one will have more humor or if the next one will be even more, you know, sell it more as a horror film because that was kind of what we were promised. I don't need it to be that. Right. But I was interested in seeing, like, how are they going to pull that off? Um, right. I don't think yeah, it would man. ever be a straight-up horror film, obviously, um, playing in this universe. But I think that there's going to be a lot of horror elements, especially if they are doing Nightmare, especially if they are spending a lot of time in that Nightmare dimension, which it does look mm-hmm. like. Like, half of this trailer takes place in that Nightmare dimension. Yeah. And it looks like is it? And it looks like he's not in control of it. He like walks out and looks around and is just like, "What the fuck is happening?" I, I think Nightmare is trying to make a move in like the nor- the regular dimension because he's always that's always been his mo. He's like, "I'm gonna yeah. make everybody sleep so that I can feed off of their nightmares for eternity." I'm wondering what they what they do with um with that too because they show it somewhere. I'm trying to scrub through this trailer right now, but I'd mentioned uh, Miss America. Her backstory, she's not from Earth. She's from um, another dimension, which is a utopia. The The shot I'm talking about is at uh, 120. I think that might be, like, where she's from, potentially. Hmm. But, um, yeah, she's from a utopia, so it's it might even make sense. And her parents were killed. I don't remember who killed them, though. But basically, like, her thing is her parents were, like, killed, but they're not, like, fully dead. Like, they're, like remnants or something like that is are scattered across the multiverse. I wonder if maybe that's the like 
almost like the nemesis of her utopia is nightmare. Maybe that's how they do it. Cause they change things around all the times with like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, thematic <clears throat> thematically that would work. So, right. Something else that's interesting is, um, at about like one thirty seven on the trailer, uh, Dr. Strange is doing some magic and it actually looks like Wanda's he's using chaos magic which we've never seen anybody else use chaos magic but her so far. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if maybe she's helping him channel some kind of energies that he hasn't played with yet. Yeah, because it's, it's all, like, the red, like, wispy, mm-hmm. like, really kind of, like... That's something I really like about the way that they show her magic. It It looks like it's not being contained. Like, it's not fully controlled. Like, it's not super finite and, like, how when he does spells, like they're all like these intricate geometric circles and things like that. And it's really refined. But when she does magic, it's like really like smoky. And like, there's all of this, it, it, it really feels like chaos. Like it makes sense. And to see him start wielding it, I'm like, Ooh, wonder what, wonder what the move is here. And I wonder if she, he knows she has the dark hold, if he can sense that when he's visiting with her, or maybe that's why she came to him or he came to her is because if you got Shuma Garath and you got these really ancient dark uh, characters coming into play, like you need to fight fire with fire type thing. So maybe he needs the dark hold to be able to take on nightmare. I don't know. Yeah. There, there's, I, um... I love that this leaves a lot of questions and I think having Mordo there is to lead people to believe he is our main villain which makes sense because mm-hmm. Baron Mordo is a consistent arch nemesis to Doctor Strange in the comic books. But I think Baron Mordo in his fight for trying to balance and like take on these sorcerers who are doing the wrong shit, I think he's going to get entangled with some nasty fucks who he doesn't really like I think he's he thinks he's hot shit but he's more of a pawn. I can see I mean yeah, especially when you start getting to it seems like they're getting into some some shit here. I mean I mean a lot of these movies are going deeper and deeper down like the rabbit hole. Like we were saying, I feel like they keep getting more and more powerful. Yeah. So I can see that. Um, Going off of what you said, and then this is probably the last thing I have to say, but going off the last thing you said where you're not sure if Dr. Strange knows that she has the dark hold. I have a feeling he probably does, but it looks like, cause there's a scene in this trailer where he's like, I'm not here to talk about Westview. Like he, uh, he's like forgiving cause he needs her help. But um, I think it was Kevin Feige. Feige? Feige? <laughs> he, he confirmed, it was either him or it was like some executive from Marvel, I can't remember, but when WandaVision ended, um, they confirmed that all the commercials that played in WandaVision were messages from Doctor Strange trying to like get to Wanda to like help her. So help her it out. seems like Doctor Strange was aware of everything that happened during like to Wanda and during that time uh, in Westview. I got you. Well, this this is a long one. Hopefully, this will make up for our absence uh, through through most of December for the Swampies. Yeah, this is probably this will probably be longer than Dune. Like Dune was a pretty hefty episode, but uh, yeah, yeah, this was this might be pushing two hours, honestly. Oh yeah, I think I think we're gonna hit the two hour mark easy for probably the first time in a long time we've hit the two hour mark probably since like Endgame. Yeah, but it's a big big universe we're playing with. It's a lot of lot of stuff to unpack. So I'm glad we got to do it. Um, we'll see 
in the coming months and years, just how fucking right we are about our predictions. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm just excited. Our next episode will probably just be Doctor Strange. <laughs> the next one we do. Yeah, the way that this thing has been going. Um, no, we actually do have, we do have some episodes planned. Our anniversary, by the time this comes out, it might already be our three-year anniversary. But um, I think for our anniversary episode, we might be doing a uh, a listener request. Uh, we're definitely doing that listener request within the next like two or three episodes. Yeah, I'm trying. So, I'm trying to remember what so. we what did we do last year for our two year. I think it was just a clip show. Oh, is that what it was? That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. I don't think we're going to do that again this year. We might we might actually do that listener request for our anniversary. We'll t- we'll talk a little bit about the show and stuff, but then we will. Uh, We'll we'll jump into this to a review that that yeah we were asked to um, give our opinions on mm-hmm. and uh, you know we definitely want to want to make sure we deliver on that so that's something to look out for no spoilers on what it is we also I think I might be seeing the Matrix tonight I'm either seeing the Matrix tonight or I'm seeing Licorice Pizza tonight ooh see I wanted to get out to see Licorice Pizza today and I don't know if that's gonna happen or not it might if I hustle. <laughs> but uh yeah yeah no i mean the matrix is gonna be an episode but you can also watch that at home yeah i might i might just end up doing that it, if i can't make it out to the theater sooner yeah and later so we'll see we shall see i guess but uh yeah we hope you guys enjoyed listening to us talk about fucking marvel for two hours possibly more than two hours <laughs> and uh yeah we'll be back soon with more two dudes Goodness, I guess. The goodness of two dudes. Yeah, two two dudes are too good. Two good doers. Two do goodness. Two good de- <laughs> two good dudes for the duty of the goods. <laughs> we got the goods and you got the dudes. I don't know. Suck at swampies. <laughs>